it's time to enter the dojo. Welcome to the Cobra Kai Gaming Dojo Podcast. This is episode number one. I'm your host, Jeff. With me today, Ryan, Josh, and JT. How are we doing, guys? Doing well. Doing, doing well. Great. Doing great, yeah. Nice Friday night. First of many. First of many, boys. Let's hope so. All right. So what we're going to be doing here in this podcast is we're going to be talking a lot about... Um, the Games Workshop hobbies, uh, specifically Age of Sigmar and Warhammer 40,000. Um, I guess one of the things that you guys are going to be wondering out there is why the heck am I listening to this show? So what are some of the things we're going to be looking to do here? I think uh, we had a lot of experience playing those those game systems, but more importantly, we will give you a an honest and fun uh, tactics, tips, experiences, ideas uh, about the both those game systems from Games Workshop. Yeah, just from my uh, you know, standpoint, I haven't been playing the game nearly as long as you fellas, so you guys kind of put me under your wing a couple years ago and kind of kicked my, uh, kicked my ass every time we play, but I think I'll be bringing kind of an every man's uh, casual opinion and feedback to the game. A man of the people, if a you will. A man of the people, a man of the people. Oh, we have it here, Josh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bringing the bar down, uh, bringing it back down to normal levels for you gods of the game. Awesome. Uh, Jeremy, do you have anything that you uh, see us doing as a show? I just think that we have a lot of insight in the game that people uh, appreciate and hopefully can bring a new eye to uh, certain things that people haven't thought about before. I agree. And we, as we all sit here and nod, not very good pod. But uh, <laughs> well, first time, first episode time. One. Episode, episode one. Episode one. Bear with us. Hopefully, with we'll us. get better as this is uh, better if this is things uh, go on. So, another thing I want to talk about real quick is what are our, our goals with the podcast? Um, I think Jeremy just brought up a lot of good points, and with the goal is we want to bring our knowledge out to the community. We want to talk about things that are happening in the game now. Maybe talk about where things are going in the game. Um, but most of all, we just want to entertain you all by entertaining ourselves. I think it's a, a very well way to put it is we want to share our knowledge, but at the same time, we want to have fun. We want to interact with folks. We want to uh, communicate with people. Uh, so we're going to have different avenues that you can communicate with us uh, going forward. Um, you know, whether that's Facebook, uh, live stream comments, you know, things like that that we're going to be working on. Well, really all we're doing is we're just simply taping the hours of a long conversations that we all have after very we true. come and play games Friday nights won't be any different. The conversation won't be different. Now we're just taping it and you know, giving it out to the community. So Absolutely. So one of our goals with the podcast is we're going to be alternating content uh, each episode. Uh, one week we'll focus on H. Sigmar and a topic based in H. Sigmar. And then the next week we'll be picking a topic in 40K and talking about things going on in the 40K universe. Um, so we're looking to release an episode every week. And alternating topics, back and forth. So, why should you listen to the podcast? Because Josh has great teachable moments when he's playing this game. <laughs> and I think you all could learn vastly yes. from Josh's teachable moments. Yes, indeed. Indeed. I will I will take the brunt and pain, and so you call learn from them and be better players without having to go through the pain that I go through every night that I play you, John. Jeff, why do you think people should listen? Well, I think people should listen because if they're anything like I am, you're looking for something to do while you're painting your miniatures or you're driving your car or whatever, and you know you want to listen to something that you're passionate about. 
And I think all four of us sitting at this table right now can say that we're passionate about this hobby. So I, I think we can bring our passion to the listeners and they can enjoy it. Jeremy, anything to add? Uh, just trying to bring something new and fresh. Well, what I can tell you, gentlemen, is you know I've already my game has vastly improved in the two years I've been playing with you guys. Just the tips and, and, and all the stuff that maybe you know if your gaming community is a little smaller or, or maybe they're all casual players, maybe some stuff that you wouldn't get just playing casual games. So yeah, not for sure. Still have fun, but you know people like to win, and you should always be trying to improve your game. And yeah, so yeah, well, a, a lot of people think that by winning, you know, you're a whack player or that you just will could care less about the, uh, the the game itself or the hobby itself, and that's not true. You can do both. And I, I feel like we have a very good balance of all of us here. We're, we're pretty competitive, and we really like to win. But at the same time, our number one goal here is to have fun, and you can have fun while winning without being a win at all cost player. Yeah, they're not mutually exclusive. No, I agree. Yeah, when we started, I just said Mario was supposed to be our captain. <laughs> yeah, until Jeff brought the Star Drake. What? what Star Drake sucks. What are you talking about? Marauder Horseman running away won me so many games at the beginning, and then you guys all caught on to that one. So with that, that's the end of our little intro segment here. Um, thanks for listening. We really appreciate you coming on board. And now we're going to move on to some future segments. So hang in there, and we'll be back in a second. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, we're going to start out with our first segment of the podcast, and it's called What's Cooking? Ryan, why don't you uh, feed us on, on what's cooking is all about? Absolutely. So what's cooking, uh, it's kind of something we wanted to do. A big part of this this hobby is the hobby aspect of it. So whether you're putting together a new army, you're starting to paint something. Um, right now, my passion in life, and uh, I believe one of Jeff's many passions in life, is uh, we both bought smokers recently. So myself... Uh, as much as I love the game, I don't hobby as many or as much as other people. Uh, so right now, I'm smoking a lot of meat. Uh, over the 4th of July, I smoked about 30 pounds of meat. Uh, the following weekend, I smoked 12 pounds of meat. Uh, so right now, um, what I've been doing is I've been uh, just trying to smoke every kind of meat I can and get practice at it. And my hobby side of things have gone downhill a little bit. Uh, but the meat's worth it. Well, what are you smoking on? Uh, I smoke it on a Traeger, which is uh, a, a pellet grill. So, essentially, it's an easy-bake oven for adults. Uh, it's it's super... You, what I like about it, it's not a traditional stick smoker. So, I'm not sitting there for six hours smoking a piece of meat, and I have to literally sit there and check the temperature. I, I, I set it. It self-regulates. Uh, it feeds the pellets uh, into the, the hopper itself. Um, or, I'm sorry, into the firebox itself. It has a fan, and I can just drink beers. It's kind of plug-and-play. It's a plug-and-play. It's a great Saturday and it produces delicious meat. Uh, I think it's the only reason my wife is still with me. Um, but hey, you know, you gotta you gotta feed the beast sometimes. Well, I, I love enjoy, you, Amanda. I enjoy Ryan's meat too. Yes, Ryan, everyone. Ryan's this, meat is delicious. Thank you. Everyone Succulent. at this table has had my meat now. Mm-hmm. I am mm-hmm. proud to say my meat's been in their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass it to Josh to see what's been cooking for him lately. Well, you know, some of us are more men of the people than others, so you know, can't afford eight hundred dollar Traeger grills. So, you know, me and JT... It's only to, 600 Oh, I'm sorry. Plus Mine was 8 Tax and shipping. Uh, anywho's, uh, we don't need to get in the ins and outs of the cost of that, but some of us are more men of the people and still like good food and good culinarians. We just do it on traditional grills, and 
Stove taps. So uh, my uh, favorite uh, meal of the week this week, I grilled up a corn salsa salad. Some grilled corn, grilled poblanos, steamed that, took the skin off, a little jalapeno, cilantro, red onion, a little lemon and lime juice, and I shared it with none of you. Which, was, say, which, was, which was the best part. So what you're saying is that you promised me this corn salsa multiple times and you've had it twice in just, like two weeks. Just a savage. Hey. Just, I let them know I made it, sent them pictures of it done, me eating it, how delicious it was, but shared none of it like the dictator. That At I least you didn't I drunkenly mean. promise Jeremy some, some bacon mm-hmm. on Sunday morning mm-hmm. after his party, mm-hmm. and then you, number one, were too drunk, number two, were too hungover to A, remember it, and B, do it. So you didn't promise him your no, heart salsa. No, no. You just didn't deliver. Just more threw it in your face intentionally instead of being a king of false promises. Excellent. Mm-hmm. But it was delicious, refreshing, good summer meal. Uh, Hobby-wise, you've been paying lately? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, big-time painter, just all about painting. High-speed painter. Yeah, yeah, professional painter. Got to do about a model a month. It looks great, though. It does look great, yeah. A bit of an OCD guy. Not the greatest painter, but do like to take my time. So right now on my bench, uh, actually, it's a ninth edition's coming out. I transitioned from painting my Stormcast. I finally got a whole Stormcast army painted up. First army of my Warhammer life. Only took me a year and a half, but uh, now I transitioned to some Necrons in anticipation of ninth edition coming out. Well, All the good right. news Paint is, 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 is after good. having your huge Necron collection, you're going to get about 15 new Necron kits. Yeah, I'm pretty glad to find out that they not only have a huge kit selection as is, but created an entire new army's worth of kit selections. Well, and how many warriors do you have painted right now? 40. 40. Yeah. And... How many Indominus boxes did you get? Two. Which is 40 new warriors? Just doubled my warrior count. But they're newer and cooler in different size bases, right? Indeed. Excellent. Indeed. Excellent. Still going to play the old ones. because You, <laughs> you look know. excited about that, Josh. I am excited. It's just that with my speed of painting, it's just it's almost like it'll be over in a blip. So. But they're Necrons. You can just spray paint them silver and so put them on the table. So you say. So you say. So you say. And to be fair, if it takes, some, like, it takes you 2,000 years for them to rise up from the painting table, that's actually pretty fluffy. It's pretty accurate. You're, 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 forging, you're forging the narrative with that. They'll actually be in real time, aged from the time I bought them to the time they're painted. It'll be about 2,000 years. So, uh, yeah. Do they naturally rust in that time period? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just put a metal paint on them, set them outside, and about, about, about the time I'm ready, uh, they're looking they're looking good. So yeah. Metal ready? Mm-hmm. Yep, metal ready. So. Jeremy, you've been uh, pretty busy painting lately. What do you got going on? Uh, actually, I'm painting all Ryan's stuff for him because he's oh! too busy smoking his meat. Just, uh, just all about um, his meat. Always cur- want to currently painting up about, what, 10,000 points of Bone Reapers? Uh, I think we added up and is right around 10,000 points of OBR, yes. Huh. Only been working on that for the good part of the year. Hmm. Uh, we're, we're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, yep. though. And they look fantastic. Jeremy is a phenomenal painter. He is. He is. But, so not only does he got me doing that, but with the ninth edition of 40K dropping... He decided it'd be a good idea to jump a bunch of space marines. Because mm-hmm. I know you, I know you can handle it. You're a professional. Well, for the folks that don't know Ryan, he's a bit of a conspicuous consumer and a toddler who has no patience. So <laughs> you combine those two things, and there's just bundles and bundles of things Squirrel. for for JT to paint. And I'm sure next week it'll be something else. No, so, this is it for a while. This mm-hmm. is it. Okay, you heard it here, folks. We'll, it's gonna uh, have to be at some point. I need to work on my own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Got plenty of it. That's for sure. You uh, you been cooking anything lately? Uh, I don't have a fancy smoker, but I did get some porterhouses this week, and my mm. wife enjoyed that. Mm. I will say, you routinely 
send uh, pictures of steaks to the group thread, and your steaks do look delicious. Oh, they, they do. They, they do. do. They hit the mark every time. Still so waiting for you to come in and share some with us. Hmm. I made you steaks one night. You've but gotten my that, you've gotten been, my meat. I've never gotten your meat. Maybe you had to come over and try it sometime. Okay, okay. But other than that, I've been trying to get through the leftovers. I had a party birthday it was Sunday. I had a party Saturday, and Jeff and Ryan were nice enough to smoke some meat, and were nice enough to leave leftovers. So I've been trying to get through that. So it's been a slow week as far as cooking my own food. Yeah, that was a serious task. There was a crap ton of meat left over from that party. Yeah, there was. Because not only you guys leave leftovers, but you took your own home, too. <laughs> but, yeah, other than that, that's uh, what's been keeping me busy. Uh, I'm hoping to finish up the rest of his Mortec guard probably between now and the next time we record the, the Sigmar podcast. So, uh, other than that, I've just got to get the rest of it assembled and finished up. And, awesome. I, and I do just want to put in a quick plug um, that Mortec guard are the greatest unit in Age of Sigmar. Jeff, how about you? What, uh, what have you been working on? Well, with uh, ninth edition coming out, I decided to get my system battle army up and running. Uh, I had a lot of models before, but when I knew the new models were coming out, I knew I wasn't going to want to actually keep and play with any of those old models. 25-year-old so, metal models. Yep, so I sold them off last summer, and I saved that cash, and when the new stuff came out, I started investing in that. So I've, I've gone through the whole Sisters of the Sisters box, that uh, the special edition box that came out. I got all that painted up. Is Are all of their kits released now? Yeah, I believe so. Okay. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're all out. Um, I can't say 100%, but I'm pretty darn sure. Um, so, yeah, I'm working on that. I just wrapped up a squad of Seraphim last week, and this week I started working on the Shrine of St. Catherine. Ooh. So that's nice a diorama piece. It's a very cool model. Yeah. Um, it looks way bigger than it actually is on the box. Oh really? I was, yeah, I was really expecting the box to be or the the base to be really really big on. Uh, that. I was thinking like Catacross uh, size. Uh, what size is Catacross on? Massive. No, he, this is on a, mon- a large monster base. Oh, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Okay. Uh, which I was thinking that it was going to be like Catacross. Yeah, he's as well. like he's like Nagash, you know. The, the yeah, massive, yeah, like, like Nagash, one hundred eighty yeah. millimeter circle, whatever. Exactly, it is. but no, this is the size of a, like a flying base. Huh. So I was uh, a little surprised that it was that was that that compact and that small, but. It's going to work out. It's a sweet-looking model. Good. And uh, what, when you work on kits like that, you know, I kind of like to, to count, like, how many models I'm painting for, like, a unit or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when I do a model like that, that's, like, seven, eight models in one model, if you know what I mean. So when you break it up. That only counts as one. Yeah, that only counts as one. Yeah, $120 model. Uh, so that's what I'm working on now. So I'm going to wrap this up. And after I know this, I think I'm going to move on to the Retributor Squad. Excellent. They do have a sweet model line. I like I like that tank with the stained glass window. That thing's amazing. Yeah, I haven't picked up one of those yet, but yeah. it's on my list of things to acquire. I got to get the Exorcist together first, though, because they look a little nastier on the table. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, with that, uh, we're going to end up the what's cooking segment, and we'll be back in a minute. Okay, and we're back. So what we're going to do this segment is we're just going to do uh, a quick introduction for you guys to the cast so you can get to know us a little bit better and so you know who's going to be talking at you here every episode. So i got some key questions here, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. My name is Jeff Crawley. I've been playing Age of Sigmar since the first General Handbook dropped. Uh, what's that, about three years ago now? 
Longer than that? Four years? 16. All right, so say four years. Um, Might even be five year anniversary this year. Okay. Since like the actual game dropped. The game dropped five years ago, yeah, but they didn't get. Yeah, but the first year. Yeah, yeah. we split. We 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 dabbled. We dabbled. Yeah, Jeremy and I dabbled uh, for a minute. We both we both split a a box set of the first box set, and we played a couple games, and quickly determined that it was no points was dumb. No points was very dumb. I just had a hard time wrapping my brain around that, coming from a forty k world. So we kind of put those models away, and then when the General's Handbook dropped and brought points to the situation, we decided to take a look at it again, and we liked what we saw. Um, I was attracted to AOS originally because 7th edition 40K had started to get a little bit stale for me. I didn't really like the way the game was playing anymore, so I wanted to try something else. I was also messing around a lot with uh, the Horse Heresy, which I really liked that over standard 40K, and Age of Sigmar gave me a, an outlet to dabble in some wargaming that wasn't sci-fi related. Um, as far as sci-fi or fantasy, I know a lot of people have a preference. I've always preferred fantasy as far as like books and movies and stuff was concerned, but for whatever reason, 40K always was more attractive to me than Warhammer Fantasy Battle. Uh, with Age of Sigmar, it, it kind of scratched that fantasy itch that I had been missing in my gaming life for a long time. Um, I tend to enjoy, as far as like the game style that I like to play, I tend to play a more competitive style as probably with the rest of you guys that are sitting here. I don't mind, you know, doing some fun, you know, narrative style play once in a while too, but we tend to kind of lean towards the competitive side. I like going to tournaments, uh, Depticon, smaller events. I, I really enjoy meeting new people and, and challenging my generalship on the table with people I don't normally my first army that I had in Age of Sigmar, I started off with the Stormcast Eternals because Jeremy and I split the box. He took the corn stuff. I took the, the Stormcast stuff. So that was the first army I went with. Um, it was it was fun. I didn't love it, but it was a good introduction to the game. Uh, after I was playing that for a while, uh, we started doing this little campaign, and Ryan talked me into buying a box of uh, Fire Slayers. And to mess around with that, and I started to really enjoy the Fire Slayers, uh, probably because they were a lot better than the Stormcast <laughs> were. Um, maybe they had a little bit to do with it. Not because they were naked dwarves. No, no, the naked dwarf it. part had nothing to do with no, it. It was just more the... They got loincloths and runes stamped into their bodies. Yeah. But they kick a lot of ass, and that's really what, what appealed to me with that army. Um, as far as the AOS lore, that is one thing that hasn't yet really grabbed me. Sigmar. Um, I'm just having a really hard time getting attracted to to the background and the, the fluff, if you will, of, of Age of Sigmar. It's okay, but it doesn't grab me the way the 40k lore grabs me. And that's, I guess that's probably not uncommon in this hobby. Um, I think they're making progress, but I'm not quite there yet. I'm having a hard time in a fantasy realm of wrapping my, my head around all of the different realms and I was basically I guess their way of just having it be a bunch of different planets so they can change but, but that's that's the issue like 40k with all the different planets it makes sense the realms are very hard to get your head wrapped around when they're talking even the realm gates like I understand that and that's okay but then they talk about the different planets they've just never fully explained it and how it makes sense that everything's connected I agree 
I agree. And even if they did explain it, it wasn't really in the spot that I caught it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, I mean, like I said, the, the lore is fine. The models are great. The models are amazing. Uh, the gameplay is amazing. I, I enjoy how the game plays. Uh, it moves at a pretty fast pace, which I appreciate. You know, you kind of get at it really quick. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I think about the lore. So as far as uh, Age of Sigmar armies, I have, I think, five or six armies right now. Uh, I, again, have the Fire Slayers army. I got rid of the Stormcast because I just wasn't Shame on you. finding myself play them. Shame on you, Jeffrey. Well, it's all big, right. I'll uh, pick up where you left Well, off. I appreciate that, Josh. But, uh, you know, a big reason behind it is when uh, the new edition of Age of Sigmar dropped, basically all of the models I had worked so hard painting and stuff just weren't worth putting on the table. Yeah, you, you had Stormcast 1.0 and then Stormcast 2.0 dropped and Liberators and Judicators just didn't cut it anymore. No, they didn't cut it. And, and Star Drake was over-costed. And yeah, and, you know, I actually had bought a, a bunch of the, the 2.0 models and, you know, I started playing around with them and I kind of liked their gameplay, but then when it came time to start sitting down to paint them, I just had a really hard time stomaching painting a whole bunch of new units for an army I already had painted. And I just, I just wasn't up to it. So I ended up uh, unloading those, and I jumped into a piece of chaos instead at that point. And I, I collected a nice big, big uh, piece of chaos force. I probably have about twenty five hundred painted. I took them to Adepticon uh, last year when I went, which I wasn't going to take them this year, but last year I had a, a good run with them in a few tournaments I played with. Um, and I will say that you were, you were in before they were cool. Slanesh mm-hmm. piece of chaos. Oh. You did very well with them before they were kind of the hot sauce for a minute. Yeah, I don't even know if they're even cool now, but they I were mean, for a brief time. For a minute. Okay. The Zangors, the Zangors are sweet. Yeah, the Zangors were sweet until they jacked up points mm-hmm. on my Zangors, which you know that's how it goes. They probably were a little bit too good for what they cost, but unfortunately, there's a lot of other things in that book that isn't good at all for what. So they were kind Cygor. of a, poor Cygor. Yeah, they were the Zangor were very good, but I thought they kind of balanced out how much a lot of the other units lacked. Um, but now they took that away. That army hasn't seen the table very much since then. Um, for Adepticon this year, I was working on getting a City Sigmar list up and running, which I, I did. I accomplished. I have uh, a couple thousand points painted up there, mostly focused around the the Halahart city. All the fun magic cheesiness that's out broken. There. Yeah, okay. You can say that. Phoenix cards was broken about the army. Not even close. Not, not, not even magic. close. Those okay. guys are just fine. They're actually, I'd say that they're swell gentlemen. They are swell gentlemen. They're just super, super points efficient gentlemen. That's, they're still swell. I can deal with that. It's the nonsense. Hey, I get plus seventeen to my cast, and I hit eighty six units of my yeah, but that's their D6 shtick. That's shot. their shtick. That's yeah. their whole thing. That's, yeah. And if you can kill the wizards, you can take away the effectiveness of the army. But those. You cannot kill those Phoenix Guardians. Villains are War Scroll. They need no buffs. Hey, you know what's really good? And against, their offense and defense. You know what's really good against OBR? Nothing. Range Mortal Wounds. I hate Cities of Sigma. Hmm. Not what you said about my Long Strikes list. <laughs> On the table those or are, in passing. Those are hot garbage, sir. Pretty sure that's a weakness of all armies, right? <laughs> no, no. OBR <laughs> in particular. Range Mortals, my friends. Sorry, Jeff. We digress. No, you're good. Go ahead, man. You're good. This is a show about the discussion. So... The next thing I'm going to work on for Age of Sigma Army is probably going to be a Lumineth Realm Lords army. I picked up the starter box for that. Those models are incredibly awesome. Hats. 
There well, is a debate about the hats. A There's couple a models debate. have some weird hats. They're super weird. The it's regular Battleline stuff looks... <laughs> <laughs> Those are the models that many people won't take. The Battleline stuff looks great. Oh, 100%. The archers, the spearmen, Absolutely. The, the, the horsemen. And nailed it. Even they the ones with the it. shitty hats, I don't think there's... There's something that can't be done about it. You gotta share off those horns. All right. And then Teclas' MC Hammer pants, not a fan. Not a fan. Okay. Get your conversion points on Teclas and you'll be fine. But I'm a big fan of what Teclas is going to do to your army. He's a boss. He's going to be a boss. (laughs) That's freaking ridiculous. Yes. So that being said, uh, all of the armies I just mentioned, I have them all painted. They're painted and uh, tabletop ready, other than the uh, Lumineth that are about to come. Or at least Deep King going to hit the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, after he blows the dust probably off when, them. Probably <laughs> when they get a new book. I mean, they look, some of them, some units will be fun to play. I think it'd be a fun army to paint, no doubt about it. And sharks are great. Especially if you're not looking to put a super efficient army Sharks and turtles, heck yeah. Sharks is one of the best armies in the meta right now, according to a lot of people. Which are? Deepkin. Just, just well, the eels? Well, the eels. Let's, oh, let's yeah. clarify the that. Eels list. The eels. The eels are, they're fantastic. Our hotness. Yeah. yeah. And I don't even think the eels are, are underpriced. I think... Oh, others will disagree with that Well, one. I mean, they can disagree, <laughs> but, I mean, how many major tournaments are you seeing eel lists win? Well, here, and they're doing well, but they're not taking home trophies. They're like a Vakaners, but better and Well, it's, it's, it's just like Daughters of Cain. Eels have not gotten any worse. Just like Daughters of Cain have not gotten any worse. But they've been so good for so long, you just don't see them anymore. That's fair. People have moved on from that Correct. army. Yes. Well, that's possible. No, because new armies came out that made not like a choice. Yeah. They, Daughters they, can't compete with an OBR army. Oh. oh. They better re-roll saves when yeah, they have no trash rent. Trash against OBR now. I'll give you that. Uh, it's just, you know, I I think, I don't, like I said, I don't think the eels are are too good for their points. I think everything else in that book is needs to yes. get better for its points. Absolutely. Or or the points need to drop where, <laughs> where you, you need to make those other units a viable option. You know, instead of just having the one unit that's really good for its points, you need to have multiple units that are really good for their points. Which is a shame, because like that Eidolon is an amazing, Absolutely. amazing model. Yeah, it's, a, it's still not playable. It's a ridiculous shame that that model yeah. you don't see on the table, because that model is freaking awesome. That's super sweet. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. All right, with that, let's uh, move over to JT. Well, what's your dream army that you'd like to own? Oh, my dream army. Oh, I don't really know if I have one for Age of Sigmar yet. Um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that one. I don't really have a, a dream army that that I really want to see. I kind of I guess see something I like and I buy it. So Jeff, I've been a pragmatist. It's like Jeff's uh, always living the dream. <laughs> it's Ariana's uh, Ariana Grande's Seven Rings song. It's, oh, you like it, you buy it. Well, there you go. Yep. So JT, let's tell uh, talk a little bit about your your AOS origin story. Oh well, I'm about in the same boat as Jeff because obviously we started at the same time. We both picked up. That box set, split it, and then kind of put it away. Um, then we the bought the General's Handbook when it came out, and we revisited when points got put in. And uh, haven't looked back since, pretty much. Yeah, you were a little earlier of a jump than than most of us because you jumped in that singles tournament at Adepticon the first year after the GHB dropped. Mm, no, with your with I, your I uh, considered stone it. horns. No. Oh. Yeah, me and Ryan. It yeah, was not not the main event. It was the uh, the whatever they called it. The, the Thursday. 20, it was the twenty five hundred yeah. point Thursday event. Yeah. yeah, you jumped into you know high level competitiveness as soon as you yep. could. Yeah, me and Ryan played in that tournament. Uh, so some 
some did better than others. Well, that, that was, listen, I'm going to get to it when we get to me, but that was when death literally was just death. There were no factions. It was just death. Yeah, well, I was just playing Destruction. You had Stonehorns, sir. And, and Goblins, to be fair. But yeah, that was a, that was a good list. Uh, ended up winning that tournament. Uh, I'm wishing I would have played in the singles event that year. No, things happen. Well, we did the team, the forty k yeah, team tournament. So forty k yeah. team tournament that year. Yep. Uh, as far as style of play that I enjoy, I, I play the competitive stuff along with Jeff. Um, I do enjoy the uh, the more lists that play towards the mission. Uh, that's kind of how I build my lists. Uh, a lot of my lists aren't super killy. Uh, I'm not out there to get the kill points. So I'm kind of glad to see that that going away as the tertiary or secondary in the new missions. Uh, that was a good change. Uh, my first army was uh, the corn bloodbound stuff out of the box set. Uh, kind of just went with that because Jeff picked the Stormcast. Uh, ended up amassing quite a large army because I actually had to carry over from uh, 40k with the demon stuff. Uh, but ended up moving along to the destruction stuff just because I like the look of the models and uh, people will say what they say. But I enjoyed playing that army. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, hey, Jeremy, would you say, and, you know, I, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but would you say with your destruction that the list played itself? <laughs> oh, no, the list did not play itself. Huh. There was a lot of a lot of tactics behind. A lot, lot of tactics. Placing your goblins in front of the mammoths so they could block the charges. Yep, and then, you know, your fanatics, and then the 2-plus does D6 mortal wounds, and your stone horn, stone horn would just kill anything that it touched and wouldn't die. Yeah, no, you're right. A really great generalship there. It, 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 a takes, it takes uh, a village, man. <laughs> well, is this a rebuttal from an OBR player talking about a list that play on the Okay, we'll, we'll get to my arms. We'll get, right now we're talking about Jeremy. We'll, we'll get to my Fair arms, enough. okay? Fair you know, enough. And that list didn't play itself at all. I mean, I can remember you know going up against him at a tournament one time, and I single-shotted one of those Stonehorns dead with my Venador. Ah. And I still lost. Ah. Bad, you know, Genesis. bad luck. Yep, yep. General generalship yes. really it was outshined uh, the list there. Yes. I mean, I had the luckiest role of my life, you know, doing the, the <laughs> six, I think I did nine total wounds with that <laughs> shot and took that thing down in one turn, and I still lost that freaking game. And you know what the worst part about it is? I think that's the only time you ever hit with the Venator. I think it was. You never hit with I, a special that shot. That thing missed that. so freaking often. I uh, just needed to challenge that tournament is what it came down <laughs> to. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sucked. Uh, so that's why I picked the Blood Bounce and then moved on to that. I think after that I switched over the uh, Maggot Kid and Nurgle came out uh, just before the new edition dropped. Um, ended up taking that army to Adeptcon. Are you skipping it. Zinch? That wasn't really a real army. <laughs> you dabbled for a second. I dabbled for a minute. But I think the Maggot Kid came first. I think you dabbled until we said we're not playing your Zinch anymore. That could be it too. Yeah, I just I just remember not fully assembling all the models. So, um, yeah, I had the Magikin. I still have the Magikin. I'm actually super excited about the new general handbook point changes. Heck yeah, uh, I think it breathed new life into that army. That's so, awesome. So, uh, you put a lot we, of time we, and effort. Yeah, into that which army. Is, and it's all. I mean, it's always been kind of a solid army, and I'm glad that it got some attention. Hopefully, see it back on the tabletop. Uh, it, it's a, it's a fun. It's a good army, but it's also a very fun army to play against. You know, it's. It's hard and it's frustrating, but you have a chance. It's a good experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good experience. 
Yeah, so I'm it's disgustingly resilient. Would you say that? I, you know, Josh, that is a great point. Yes, it is disgustingly I resilient. I found the army to be disgustingly resilient, and I don't know why Games Workshop hasn't coined that term yet. I, weird. You should send him an email. I'm, I'm on that after the show, boys. I got it. Sorry, JT. All right, appreciate that, Josh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting that back on the table. I know everybody's high on the mortal stuff, but I'm actually going to throw a bunch of demons on the table first and see how that plays. Oh, cool. Um, I think it's got some potential for. For uh, mission play, anyways, uh, we'll see. I know that when I played it the first time, I concentrated more on the Nervo stuff or the demon stuff. Excuse me. I will say this, and I said it all along. Uh, Plague Bears MVP of that list. Oh, Tarpits, man! Oh, Just Plague Bears are the worst unit in that in that book. Oh my By far, the MVP. Yeah, Tarpits. They're uh, definitely tarpits. the Mortet guard of the Nurgle. <laughs> <laughs> Daughters of Cain uh, did extremely well tournament-wise with that list. I uh, didn't really enjoy playing it a whole lot because it's a lot of uh, what made me hate 40k with all the rerolls. <laughs> uh, I already have a bad back, so you're rolling the dice on the table and then picking the, the misses up and re-rolling them. It <laughs> makes for a long day, that's for sure. The misses to hit or the misses to wound? Oh, both. Oh, okay. Uh, after okay. turn three. Ah, yeah. gotcha. <laughs> For not liking that army, you sure did play the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I did play quite a few games with it. Holy crap. Hey, listen, Yens justified the memes I with guess. Dogs of Cain for Jesus Jeremy. Christ, I was sick of playing that army. Yeah, I mean, it just got to the point where you had to take something competitive and played it. Yeah, till, uh, you're till beating the crap out of my piece of chaos over and over again. <laughs> well, it was just payback for uh, playing all those Firestory games with my Magikin. <laughs> I think I was like 1 in 30 against that army. It definitely got me ready for a Dubscon that year. Yeah, absolutely so. it did. Um, but then after Daughters of Can, I think I moved on to... You had an E-list for a while yeah, with the Yeah, I, I played the Deepkin for a bit. Um, that kind of was uh, a point-and-click sort of sent eels and wasn't very fun to play. Did you ever play against Nagash with your eels? Uh, quite a few times. Did yeah. you? Yep. How'd that go for you? I, I, I have yet to kill a Nagash. Ah, okay. Mm. Um, but... We'll get to Nagash here in the, ne- the next question. My favorite AOS lore is. My favorite piece of AOS lore is when the Skaven jump on his little pyramid and cause the Necroquake and foil his plans. Short-lived. Because uh, I definitely enjoy the Skaven. I actually have a Skaven uh, list army that I was going to play uh, for the new edition of General's Handbook, but I think I'm going to shelve it for maybe the next one because I want to want to get the Nurgle on the table. Uh, so the point changes kind of swayed me in that direction. Plus, the Magikin already painted. Uh, all the all the painting that Ryan's having me do, it's always a bonus to get the painted models that I already have on the table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's that's on the back burner. Uh, we'll see. Maybe maybe later this year for the next General Sandbook, we'll, we'll take a venture and see what they've got. But... Um, as far as dream armies, I don't really have one either. I kind of in the same boat as Jeff. If I'm interested in something, I'll just end up picking it up. And there isn't a whole lot out there right now that I'm totally interested in buying, buying new. Um, the new elves were intriguing for a minute, but move uh, past that. Yeah, we move past it. I, they're too static for me, I think. So, how many armies do you currently own? And I know you tend to buy and sell and shit way more than I do. Well, I have a big problem with once I get something painted, I don't really want to let it go. Yeah, yeah I'm with you, man. 
much time in. JT, you're I not actually, like that. You don't mind selling off painted shit. No, I, yeah, I don't mind, but I actually haven't sold anything in a while. I'm actually sitting on, I still have my Nurgle, I still have my daughters, uh, I have my Skaven. Oh, I just glossed over the best armor that's in existence in Age of Sigmar. I had <laughs> my Moon Clan Grots. <laughs> <coughs> and then my Gloom Spike Gits. Uh, they're, uh, one of, I actually painted that army up really fast, and they're actually just one of the armies that I've been playing for a long time. I uh, very much enjoy it. Josh loves. Oh Gal- my god! Josh I loves Galvin. I love mechs. negative three to hit. Well, it's just a good time. I think that's an army. Army is a lot of fun to play yeah. against. I think that's one of the. Yeah, no negative three to hit's a great time. Well, you know, I and mean, they have their things, but yeah, good time. But and that little spider spell at Scuttle Tide is that what it oh, is? Scuttle Tide is the best sound spell in the oh, game. Oh man, just eats my long strikes alive. It's, a, it's annoying. It has annoying. A, it has its tricks. It's like a buzzy. It's like a gnat. Yeah, it yeah, has its I'm, tricks, but gotta, it's got to revisit that though. If a new change in the book, I can't take the. Endless spells that I was taking, so I have to go in a different direction with them. But no, in all honesty, I mean, like the 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 big moon is super swingy, and no, it, it is a fun army to play. As are most destruction armies, if not all destruction armies. Yeah. Being honest, so. point. But yeah, negative three to hit nets. Yeah, just just a solid time. Yeah, I've been playing my gits for yeah a while now. Uh, probably the majority of this last general's handbook, I've been playing playing the gits. Uh, I took them to the Michigan GT this year. Uh, Went three and two, but I played against uh, Force Lanesh and a Nagash list, uh, so I will take the three and two as a win. Absolutely, that's a huge win against that that lineup. I think I killed seven keepers over the weekend. <laughs> Only seven. Only seven, but I'll take I'll take seven. But uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's a super enjoyable army. I'm, I'm kind of sad that I'm gonna shelve it for a while, but uh, time to move on and play something different. I think. Yeah. So. Uh, but that's what I got. What do you got, Josh? Oh, my story is so much different than these gentlemen's stories. My origin story for ALS. Uh, so me and Ryan have been friends since we were six. Yep, second grade. Yeah, second grade. So he never, we, we ended up playing 40K back you know, when we were in high school and like most stories. And then, you know, we got into girls and partying and college and all that crap and got away from it. But Ryan never left the game. So he, he kept hobbying and playing. And To be uh, fair, I still had the girls in the party. I just I didn't mean, leave the game. We could say you had the girls, but that's a whole other podcast for another time. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, so Ryan never gave up on the game. We stayed friends, and about 2017, he, he had, you know, kept trying to kind of hound me about getting back into the hobby. Wouldn't leave it alone for about a year. And so, finally convinced me to get back into it. Uh, I met J- Jeff and JT, and they're just stand up guys. So, we actually started with 40K over here. Uh, but within about a year, about 2018, transitioned to playing both. So got into AOS despite all my objections and all my hardcore statements that I would never get into uh, Sigmar because I got a young kid and a wife and, and a job and all that. I said I could only handle one one game system at a time, and here I am playing both. So, But what attracted me to Sigmar, just like Jeff said, you know, if I had to choose fantasy or sci-fi, it's fantasy all day long. Movies, books, it's just it's always got my goat a little bit more than sci-fi. Again, 40K is a great game system, probably a lot more dynamic, a lot more nuance to it, but uh, fantasy is just where it's at. And with Sigmar being a new game, all the models are new. So they're just, what Game Workshop has done, because like I said, I, I played back in 2004, didn't play a game again until 2017. So the absolute change in you know quality of the models is just, I mean, we're talking you know, to the nth degree. And with Sigmar, it's just absolutely incredible what they're, their designers have been able to do. So it really got me into into the game. 
So I started off with Stormcast. I actually bought Jeff's uh, Sacrosanct Stormcast that you know he wanted to give up on the army for a number of reasons. One, the good paladins are always just going to be in my wheelhouse. You know, the, 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 the forces are good versus the forces of evil. Love the models. And, and for a newer player, I think Stormcast is the perfect army to get into uh, just because it's kind of what you see is what you get. Uh, there's not too many tricks to it. It's pretty straightforward play. And so I think it's a good way to transition into a new game system for a new player. Uh, and, and like I said, the miles are great. They're just absolutely awesome. Plus, they're easier to paint, I think, a lot of wide, broad, flat surfaces, things like that. Now, you start getting into detail, there's all sorts of shit and baubles on there. And yes, I, there are. So, you know, you can paint them quick and easy, or you can be OCD like me and take your time, and, and, and they really can actually take some time to paint. But there's nothing on there that's so... You know, hard to paint or, 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 or you know anything like that. You couldn't do just it. Just takes a little more time. So yeah, they do. And I also I, one of the other things I really like about the Stormcast models is I think if you like to dabble in airbrushing, they actually have some pretty you know good sized surfaces where you can really get an airbrush in there and do a lot of work that way. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I said, new player again. I drew a hard line in the sand, so I was never going to airbrush. And then Jeff talked me into it. Uh, you guys are bad influence. So yeah, so here I am, you know, airbrushing. Both great influences. Yeah, no, nothing crazy, great. nothing crazy, but just kind of some, uh, just kind of some, uh, you know, base coating and some some highlighting and no, nothing too crazy. But they do work well with with an airbrush, especially with all the flowing robes and, and, and that whole kind of palette and feel. So, in terms of my style of play, it's actually completely different than these guys. I could care less about winning at all costs or competitive player tournaments or any of that. I just like to play the models I like to play. So. Stormcast were the miles I liked. If they had been awesome, I would have played them. If they had sucked, I'd play them. And it turns out that they suck, and I still play them. So I'm just the play-what-you-like kind of guy. So Begrudgingly, though. I mean, nobody wants to get their ass kicked every yeah. game. I like tight games, but if I, I would love a tight game and lose would make me nothing, you know, just happy. But Oh, yeah. I, I agree. I would I would way rather lose in a, in a tight, tough, well-fought game just, just than smoke just steamroll someone. 100%, 100%. Absolutely. Well, and part of the experience, too, is here I am playing against guys and playing this this game, not Sigmar, but just Games Workshop style games for thirty years. You guys, some of you guys have been playing. Yeah, right around there. So you know, it is what it is, right? I mean, you guys are the big leagues, and I'm just you know having a good time learning. But, but uh, yeah, so Stormcast is my first army, and we talked about kind of why I picked it. Um, in terms of the lore, for me, again, I was big into 40k. I, st- I read the books and all that kind of stuff. I think there's nothing cooler than the 40k lore. I think it's just so much more in depth and. So more well-built-up universe and just more well-written and doesn't seem so rushed. So I will have to give lore to 40K over Sigmar. However, it doesn't mean that there's not really good lore in Sigmar because you can kind of blend the old-world fantasy and the new Sigmar lore, even though I thought kind of the end of times was not the greatest transition <laughs> I'm, I, lore-wise. It was, yeah, they had some rats that killed the guys. Just like, end the no, world. No, no, yeah. no. However, what... what However, with that being said, my favorite lore of Sigmar is Sigmar himself and his rise. So, you know, here he is born into a barbarian kingdom of the Urbuthians or whatever in the middle of nowhere. And it's actually very parallel to the Empire, uh, Emperor's rise in 40K about how he came from these humble beginnings and united all the tribes and then had to face all these trials and tribulations and basically send it to godhood. And I think it's minus the end time part where he's hanging on to a dragon into a ball of metal that turns into eight realms. I didn't get that part. But other than that, I think his, his lore is awesome. Because he was a man. And then he became the god of men. And yeah. I just think it's super, super cool. And it's and it's his namesake. It's always cool to rise to god status, right? Percent, 100%. And, and he was a barbarian, so it's not like he was just born into a paladin, 
monastery, you know, bred of good. You know, he's a blood-seeking, eating, bone-killing, crunching paladin or uh, barbarian. He's done horrible things in, in the name of his people, and but he's still their god king. I think it's great. So it kind of does the dichotomy of the good paladin versus the the bloody rise that is so common in Games Workshop game systems. So, so that is my favorite lore. Uh, in terms of how many AOS armies I own and, and play, it's sort of the running joke at the dojo that I'm the slowest painter ever known to man. So I have finally painted, it took me a year and a half, uh, a Sigmar uh, army list, the long strikes. So I've got a Stormcast list painted up, and then I just got into Slaves of Darkness. So I've got a list, a Despoirs list assembled, but there's sadly no paint on them and likely won't be for some time. So Oh, don't sell yourself short. You can get one model painted. Well, you know, there's nothing better than abandoning my young young, young ch- uh, child and, and my wife who's pregnant and dedicating all my time to painting up a model and then bringing it to the table on Friday nights and getting completely other smashed uh, by you guys. you should guys. start with Bellacor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's another segment, another segment. But uh, so anyways, and, and my, my final wrap-up here, a dream army for me and Sigmar. Um, before OBR came out, I was really hoping that they would kind of done a Rework of the traditional skeleton, horde, necromancer, bring them up from the dead type army, kind of a legions of the gash, maybe reboot, uh, but I don't probably think it's coming with OBR. I think they probably filled that role. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. And for me, OBR just aesthetically don't do it for me. I still like the old traditional skeletons. I think they have a, a lot of play there, horde-wise versus elite. But so that's my your, your dream. dream army where we're made a dream. We're made a dream. They're a dream. They're a dream. So with that being said, over to you, right guy. Uh, well, I'm gonna echo about everything these guys have said. So I'm not gonna go into my beginnings too much. I started playing with these yahoos, uh, kind of like Jeff said. We were over seventh uh, edition 40k. It was so competitive. Um, like Eldar. I mean, if you want to get Eldar, you just lost. So we wanted to go to 40k, and I'm sorry, to Age of Sigmar. And I quote, "Hey guys, let's play Age of Sigmar. They have points now." It'll be the chill version of our, our game nights, so we don't have to worry about diehard competitiveness, right? So that's what we did. I, I started with Slaves of Darkness. Uh, I got a bunch of Marauder Horsemen, just cool-looking models. Uh, JT at the time started Destruction because he likes goblins and that kind of stuff. What's Jeff do? I'm going to play Stormcast Eternals. I'm a big uh, Marine guy. All right, that's fair. We're playing, like, 500-point games, like very small games at this point. Jeff rolls out with a Star Drake. Well, that so was a 500 point game at that point. That thing was over 500. Well, it was maybe like 750. It was uh, the smallest, like a thousand the smallest point games you can get. So I like to say that is when the arms Just race started. Was two units of liberators and a star drive. Yep. And that was it. <laughs> it was that awesome. Was it. Well, then again. Then you good man should. Glorious. This is what made me like Sigmar more than 40K for a long time is that, okay, he had a star drink on the table. He destroys everything, but you could run away and score objectives. And yeah, then, that was stupid. And then my Marauder Horseman would still win the game. So I, I, I got into Sigmar to get away from the competitiveness of 40K, uh, and it worked out well for a while. But again, then we kind of started an arms race, and now <laughs> I think we're all very competitive players, and we all go for very competitive armies. Yeah, you kind of are what you are, right? Yes, you are yeah. what you are. You can't get away well, from it. Well, and the game has transitioned, too. I mean, even since I started, it used to be much more casual, and now the arms uh, race is... Absolutely. Chop yeah, made the arms race, so it's not just you guys. Yeah. And that, that gets me to my next point of I per- actually personally prefer more kind of friendly and fluffy games with Sigmar. Apparently, I'm very lucky when it comes to Age of Sigmar armies, and my list turned out to be very competitive. Uh, I'll start by saying I played Death. Uh, now, I'm a, I'm a proponent of there is no Night Haunt, there is no Legions of Nagash, um, there is no uh, a, a Soul Blight. 
you you play death. If you play death, then it's all death armies. That was until OBR came out. When I first started playing uh, with death, and when they only had just just the the death book, they didn't have any kind of armies, and it was it was pretty good. It was solid. And then I started getting to flesh eaters. Well, next thing I know, flesh eaters came out with probably the most ridiculous book uh, that has been written in quite some time. Ridiculous for the time. For the time, yes. Uh, so I'm like, okay, well, these guys are a little bit too competitive. Uh, these guys are a little bit silly. Was there a particular game, Ryan, that made you realize that they just were a little over the top? Yeah, when I played five uh, Dragon Gristlegore and you didn't do a single one to me. Yeah, like at the end of the game, we played a five-round game. Yeah. And I had not actually dealt a wound to that was sustained. Death saves, bro, that's all I have to say. Mm-hmm. And I had how many miles on the table? Not many. No, none none. Left. Yeah, none no left. there was zero. Yes. So you killed my entire army. <laughs> and you ended the game with zero wounds. Not, yeah. not models, dead wounds. Yeah. All right, so, cool. I so, just want to make sure I remember <laughs> the game. Too, Josh, is you need to bring some trolls. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you We're not, we're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. To count. He lost. I did. I lost I lost the trolls. I didn't do very well. Gristle Gore was, Blisterkin is, is always what it was. But again, I oh. love, if you know me from 40K, I love big monsters. I played Tyranids. I play all the monster lists. So Gristlegore with my flesh eaters. I went big monsters. I, I didn't go with the, with the Blisterkin, but they're they're amazing. So anyway, uh, so I have flesh eater courts and they got really good. So I'm like, okay, I need to get out of them. Before flesh eaters, I actually played Legions and Nagash again because I played Death since the beginning. Well, I didn't realize that Grimgas and Nagash and everything else were going to be really fun or really really good and not fun to play against. So I got rid of them. So, all right, no big deal. I'm going to go over to Seraphon because I love lizards and they're sweet. We will go into them later. But for a while, I had a uh, Seraphon army. Uh, I broke my leg almost two years ago while I was laid up. I'm like, hey, you know what? That's fine. I'm going to I'm gonna get a new army to work on. I found a couple really good deals online for a Slanesh army. This was before the Slanesh book came out. That's right. Uh, so I started collecting all the Slanesh stuff. You know, this is kind of at the height of eels. Uh, <laughs> that the eels were a big thing, and I'm like, oh, I bet you fiends are going to be sweet. You know, that seemed like the 180 point just solid hammer and anvil unit. Well, it turned out fiends were not the best. However, Slanesh was really, really good. So again, I played them for a little bit, got really tired of them because they weren't fun competitive games, and I just crushed people. So I'm like, all right, we're going to move past them. Uh, <laughs> OBR's coming out. Oh, Sweet. Geez. You know, hey, all these new skeletons. But when they first started getting leeched, like, man, these, these guys are really expensive. I don't see how they're going to last on the table. <laughs> uh, so I got really, really into OBR. I bought about 10,000 points of OBR before I even read the book. Little did I know Petrifex Elite exists. So now I have a lot of OBR armies or uh, uh, models that I don't really play. And I now have tried... Um, uh, oh goodness, the anti psyker dudes, uh, Null Myriad, even ran Null Myriad, and they are still really good. OBR, in my opinion, is the best army in the game. Whether you play Petrifex Elite or uh, Null Myriad, and, and I even think the horse guys, uh, they, they have something to them as well. Let's skip back, go back to Seraphon, right? Again, massive army of Seraphon. I, I bought this guy's collection for dirt cheap. He probably had close to 8,000 points. I'm not kidding. He had like seven Stegodons, everything else. Like 300 bucks. For like 300 bucks. Out Dirt cheap, garage. right? Out of his garage. What do you know? Seraphon finally <laughs> get a book. And oh my goodness, they're better than before. So <laughs> I've played a lot of armies. I still own all those armies I just I just spoke of. Uh, but I kind of have a thing where I pick an army because it seems new and cool. And they turn out to be really, really good. Uh, but the style of play that I do enjoy really is the fluffiness. 
Um, I really prefer uh, shenanigan-style armies. That's what got me to Seraphine to begin with. This is in the days of the skinks running away during combat, um, you know, the, the double teleport. I love armies that have shenanigans. I think shenanigans uh, in Age of Sigmar is really what wins you games. It's doing things that people don't expect. It's movement. Movement is so big in, in Age of uh, Sigmar. It's the most, it, most important stat. Absolutely. And so shenanigans really win you games. So that, yeah, that's what I, I try have to shoot for. Same experience with my piece of chaos, you know, being ridiculously fast. Oh yeah, so people just don't expect. Well, it. then you know, slowly, 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 yeah, yeah, slowly yeah. building up yeah. your couple points, and at the end of the game, yeah. you bring in ten ungors. Like who cares about ten ungors, right? Until yeah. they steal that objective. Until from they steal the yeah, objective, exactly. and you win the game. Or you got to hold units back to watch it all game, yep. and, the, and that's a win in and of itself. So yeah. so so by by, by near and far though, again, uh, all things death. That, that's my favorite. Um, up until OBR, I really did consider all the different variations and different armies of death basically as one. But OBR sets itself so far apart from death. It's just, it's that good. Yeah. I, uh, I hope the Nighthaunt get a new book soon. I would really like to see you get the Nighthaunts back on the table. Oh, you, you got uh, Okay, so let's, let, let's go back. I do have Nighthaunt army. Yeah. And again, talk about my luck. Um, I have rolled probably more 10-plus charges <laughs> than I have oh, for uh, 9 inches or less charges. The luck of the Irish, It's, it's the luck of the Irish. It the really is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I own all those armies. Um, I have a few tournament painted armies, like my Flesh Eaters. I could roll with that to a tournament. Uh, my OBR, thankfully, uh, Jeremy is painting those for me. My Night Haunts? My, I pretty much have 2,000-point. Night Haunts, pretty heavily painted. I don't have a 2,000-point army. Uh, my legions in Nagash, I, Nagash, I have him, and he's amazing. So basically, that's half of your thousand point army. But I can take, I, I have taken and can take a legions in Nagash army to uh, to a tournament, no problem at all. Um, I'd say my favorite war to speaking about death, it, it's Nagash. It's hand down down to Nagash. You know, people call him the god of death. I actually think Nagash is the god of life because he chooses who lives and who dies. Um, I, I just love him. I, I think he's the best character in the entire lore, even though he got. Foiled by some rats. I, I think he really wasn't foiled. I think uh, crushed by Sigmar's hammer. No, it's all part of the plan. Okay, mm-hmm. he waited Failing this. seven times. No, no, he okay. he was just biding time to get OBR out there. Now oh, OBR is out there. Right. It's just gonna it'll take over the rest of the realms at this point now. Indeed. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of like these guys. I don't really have a dream army. Basically everything that I want, I've gotten. Well, everything you pick as an army turns into a dream army. Yes, so, so I'm very fortunate in that. Is that I've never had to, to struggle with 1997 Stormcast trials. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't had those trials and tribulations. Is hey, I got an army and it. Oh crap! It turns out to be really good. I didn't. I didn't plan on that happening. Uh, but yeah, I, I think Age of Sigmar is an absolutely fantastic game. I think it is a good break from uh, 40k. I think there's a, a, a there's enough separation between the two game systems that it's absolutely worth playing both. Yeah, 100%. It feels like a different game. I agree. Yeah, they've done a good job of keeping the game similar yet different. Yep. Which which is appealing to me. Well, awesome. Well, thanks, guys. Um, I'm glad we got to know each other all a little bit better tonight, and uh, I think the audience will appreciate that, too. We'll be back in a minute. All right, welcome back, guys. It's time for the Echoes of the War. <laughs> there we go. This segment, we're going to talk about the uh, upcoming news and rumors re- uh, regarding Age of Sigmar. So basically, the only thing that I know of coming out news and rumors is the Sons of Behemoth. What do you guys think? Um, I think that they are going to be awesome for the game. Uh, here's my concern. When Knights first came out for 40K, awesome for the game. 
They added a whole new element that wasn't there before, and they were great. Then they got stupid. So as long as they don't have the same thing with Sons of Bayamont, I'm on board. Okay. Just add something a little bit new. So rumor mill is that one of their abilities are going to be able to kick around objectives. Yeah, that's so, what I've heard too. Yeah, so it, it, I guess it's kind of one of those things where it sounds really cool in theory, but it could end up being really janky in the game because if they're kicking it in their train or it goes off, you know, you know what I mean? So. Yeah. What do you mean? The, the shifting objective mission is one of the most competitive uh, tournament-based mis- missions in the game. I, I guess that's true. I mean, it does add that element of unknown to the game. Oh, the relocation orb? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Super, super anymore. competitive. <laughs> I'm assuming, you know, the kick is going to be very arbitrary and no one will know where it's going. So it always adds that element of unknown. Oh, you think it's going to be random? I, I think it, they're, they're, they're giants. That's oh, what I, I saw, is that it's going to be random. Oh, that would be lame. I thought it was going to be like, pick you the direction. Pick. Yeah, you pick and punt it that way. Because I figured that would kind of be... An advantage. Their advantage for only having, you know, five or six models on the table. I guess I could see either way being destruction and, and how half of destruction stuff blows up in their own yeah, face. Yeah, that's kind of a thing with destruction, isn't it? So... Could be cool, could be bad, but that's something I They're going to fall down the AOS monster hole. And not yeah. and that, I really and that hope yep. they don't. Hitting on fours, people. Get ready for it. Well, and, and that was my next point. The AOS has never nailed monsters strictly based on the fundamentals of the game design. Except for Nagash. He's perfect. He's not a monster. He's a god. But or Terrorgeist. Well, they're really good, too. Yeah, yeah, they're kind of good. Yeah. Well, other than that, though. But yeah, I mean, I mean they, they have a handful of, of big it, shit that's good, yeah. but most of it and falls flat. Particularly the non-hero monsters. I'm not saying Behemoth sounds like they probably will all be heroes if they're only be four or five miles. Well, and that's the Maybe. thing is, yeah, I think the, big ones, the, I think the list is what, like, three giants as your battle line and then three big monsters, or giants, or is it only two? Three of the big, big ones, the new ones, and okay. then, like, two uh, or two or three of the You can take traditional. the ones in groups. Yes. Oh, really? Like oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. So you're going to have probably like three big guys models. and, yeah, three giants. Five so, or six models. So an objective-based game with six models on the board, they have to count for more than one model. Yeah, they'll probably, my yeah, guess is they'll count special. their their wound count. 100%. That'd be my guess. And it's or something like ogres. Or like ogre march. Ogres count as more models. Yeah. Sure. What, 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 I'm really, what I'm really hoping is that they do bring in a 40K style of... Uh, Degradation. Yeah, their, their tier list needs to. Yes. If those guys all start tearing at two wounds, right. they are going to be a horrible army. Right. If they don't start tearing until halfway done or halfway down, they will be much, much better. I agree. But I don't know if they'll change it. And I think that's actually the biggest shortfall of big monsters yeah. in Age of Sigmar is, Immediately. is how fast they start to degrade. And, and, the de- and when they degrade, I mean, it's, it's harsh. Yeah. And, you know, it's not like, okay, they lose one inch of movement. No, they're losing several inches of movement. All of a sudden, they lose half their attacks. They start yeah. hitting on fours instead of threes. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's brutal. Yeah, 100%. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. you say, for example, you have a 10-man unit of Sacquarters, right. and so you got 20 wounds there. Right. So you take four wounds, you're still at 80% effectiveness. Right. Where, you know, a large creature takes four wounds out of 20, and now it's you know starting to really mm-hmm. take a hit much, much bigger than, than you know, 20%. And still not taking an objective. So, and that's always that was one of the things about Sigmar that always just told me off. You pop a Star Drake on an objective, and there's ten infantry sized guys there. I mean, he should own that. He should just own that. Fluff flies, just sheer fluff flies, and it just so you know could be cool. Models look sweet. I, I'll, I'm not even a big destruction guy, and, and those models are sweet. And I know you're gonna buy into it, Jeff. But well, you can pick one I'm up and throw it in a Stormcast. <laughs> that's true. I could. Well, yeah, that's gonna be another question I had for you, Josh. You know, you have two. Two armies. That's all you have. Yeah, yeah. And so, would you consider adding a, a son of behemoth ally into your army? 
I, I mean, I guess I'll see how, see how the war scroll and see if it fits into what my armies are missing. More with Stormcast, they pretty much have a freaking model for everything. What they are missing are not bigger things. Okay, well, what about this? You only have two armies. What if you need to buy five models and you can have a third army? Yeah, Don't you sure. Do that? Hey, and you only got to paint five models. For a guy that is just horribly slow at painting for a number of reasons, one being lack of motivation, the other being lack of time, uh, yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for getting a, a fully painted army on the board with five models. So, well, how detail on those five models, though? Yeah, but yeah, but it, but it, you know, it, it it's almost like a mind over matter thing. When, when you literally got five unpainted models yeah, on the table and you paint one, and you're like, man, that's twenty percent. I'm twenty percent done yeah. with my, my army, and I painted one model. So, mm-hmm. and you know, how I paint. Like I said, I'm not, I'm not sitting there saying I'm a greatest painter. It's not that. It's just. I do, do like to take the time to paint the detail. Yeah, do, do the, but you're a good painter, Josh. I'm okay. You're selling yourself short. I'm, I'm okay. Your Stormcast okay. looks great. Yeah, yeah, it looks really yeah. Good. I'm okay. I think my, my line edging is... I mean, you're not going to win Golden Diva next year or nothing, yeah. but you know you can be proud of what you're putting on the table. But, you know, it's, a, it's the whole, you know, looks good from three feet thing. No, I, I will paint every little bauble, no, yeah, and you, I'll take the you time. You look good from one foot. Yeah, 100%. That's yeah. just, that's a, it's just, it's just the OCD in me. So, but yeah, so, hey, potentially, man, there's something to be said for a guy like me just playing five models and getting a it may actually motivate you to paint more than you would just because sometimes when you get a whole army assembled, the task of painting it from scratch can be pretty daunting. It's very daunting. Yeah, and you yeah. can feel like you're just not making progress. You're treading water, but you get one one giant painted up, and you're almost there. So I know this is getting off a little bit off the news and rumors thing, but talking about that daunting subject. So, for example, you know you have a pretty good-sized Stormcast force. Oh, God, I have an incredible amount of unpainted Stormcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So... When when you are working on a like a Stormcast project, are you looking at, well, I have you know four thousand unpainted models, and and here I need to chip away and, and, and get these twenty guys done, or I mean, how do you how do you approach it? So with Stormcast, sadly, in my opinion, there's really kind of only been two ways to play them lately. So that's always been my focus first, and it's not like I said, I play casually, but I can't come here and just get destroyed because that's not fun for anybody. No, it's not fun. No. So I do try to bring the most efficient list of the game or of the army, knowing that the army itself is not great, and, and I play casually. So personally, based on what I've seen, what I've tried, I mean, I've tried almost everything, almost everything, short adjudicators and the desolators, which I just bought. But uh, I think the long strikes and the star drake star cast lists are really the only viable list right now. So I, that's always my focus first. What, so, so how do you prioritize painting what you have on your on your shelf? Oh, oh after I've decided the list I'm going to mm-hmm. go. Oh, uh, so for me, I do it kind of backwards. I always paint the battle line and all the ancillary models first. I leave the characters for last. One, I think it's kind of like a reward for getting through the army. And two, you know, who wants to paint 15 liberators, right? However, when you get through to them... And then you get to paint this character. You're just painting one model, so you really just get to focus on the details. And your character should always pop all over anything else in your army. And that's what I just did with, with my army. I, I saved all my five, six leaders for last. I really just took my time, you know. And it was actually an absolute utter joy. And I will have to say, for my limited painting experience, I think they actually turned out really great. So yeah, your stuff looks really good. Yeah, you should be proud of that. A lot of guys paint their leaders first, and I get all that because they're going to be last on the board, and they're the, the highlights. And I do it completely. Background. I do the chore. I do all the chore models first. I, I generally do that too. Yeah. Um. I, I also, you know, when I'm trying to get an army painted, I, I just break it into blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just break it into chunks because sometimes to look at the whole collection is just too overwhelming. 
Sure. And I just don't want to lose motivation, so I just say, okay, well, I got this one best to go unit. Thirty guys needs to get done. Let's bust these thirty guys out. So what I will do is I take my characters and I put them aside, and then I look at what's left and I go, what will be on the table the longest? And that's what I paint first. So just because that way you you get to the most maximum amount of time. Yeah, you can enjoy your enjoy the efforts of your labor. Hundred percent. Right? So yeah, like the long strikes. You know, you the way my list is built. They're protected by aether wings, and then I got vexiller to shit them around. So they are generally they're going to be the first target, but they're also going to be the most protected unit. So I pay them first, and they tend to stay on the table the longest. So I just get to enjoy my painted models throughout harder. the majority yeah. of the Smart. battle. That's that's Smart way to do it. That's how I do it. So so you know, JT, you're the big destruction player at the table tonight. So, do the Suns look attractive to you at all? Can you see yourself working those into some of your lists? I can just see myself playing the Army in general. Okay. Just, I can see myself playing the Army in general, too. They just sound cool. Just, uh, I think they scratched the itch of the big models. Like, I had Ogres for a minute, but this wasn't a project that I saw myself completing. Yeah, I don't love the so, Ogre models. Yeah, the Ogre models it's just it, don't do it for It's me. an older line. I mean, they yeah. just, it true, is. The, the concept of them, and I think Ogres are cool, but then you see the models, and... They just don't excite you. I, they just, like, muscular, musculature-wise, they just don't have enough definition yeah, for they're, me. they're fat. Yeah. To be fair, I mean, they're, they're, yeah, they're yeah, fat. They're not they like are. big, hulking, yeah. scary-looking ogres. They're just fat, beer-drinking dudes, which, yeah, that's look, my normal friends. Looks like us in the <laughs> Yes, <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't want to play with them on the, on the table. Uh, that's great. Hey, so, with such a huge line from Games Workshop, some of those older models have absolutely stood the test of time, and some of them had it, haven't, and I, yeah, the ogres. Yeah, and, and the crazy thing is they're not even that old. I oh, mean, fair they're enough. Not, they're not new, right? But you know they were they were towards the later end of of Warhammer Fantasy Battle. But there are still some old models that have, I mean they've absolutely held up. Sure. So well, look at the Phoenix Guard for example. Oh my those God, models are still great. Beautiful models. Beautiful models. Still, still. So it's just kind of one of those with the line being the range being so large, you're going to get that variance. Yeah. And they just uh, didn't do it for me. I'm definitely interested to see what the impact of being able to ally in a single giant yeah. is going to have on the game. I, I feel like that will help a tremendous amount of armies. It, it could if 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 they're done right. Yep. You know that, and that's the big question. That's just what we don't know. Is this going to be a hit book or is it going to be a miss book? Yep. Yeah. Because there's not a ton of in the middle books for Age of Sigmar. Just the ones I play. I, I personally think it's going to be a miss book. Uh, but I'd be pleasantly surprised if it's going to be Because of the book. track record on the big models. Yes, because of the track yeah. record of the big models. Um, again, Age of Sigmar is such a movement-based game and it's an objective-based game versus just killing your opponent. And there needs to be some, again, talk about shenanigans, there needs to be a lot of shenanigans in that book in order for them to take objectives versus an army like Seraphon or an army... Uh, like uh, Slaves of Darkness right now with, with all the Marauders. I mean, how are they literally going to deal with 40 buff Marauders not getting killed in one turn? You can't. And then if you lose one giant in a turn, yeah, that, that's that's a fifth yeah. of your army. Yeah. You know, that's four or 500 points, however right. much they cost, is gone. One shot, boom. And with right now with the with the, the game and Mortal Wounds, I don't know how you don't just nuke a giant turn one. And I don't, again, you know, 40K, you look at the Knights, Knights are, are huge because they can affect multiple units in a turn. I don't see one of those giants being able to kill multiple units in a, a turn, short of charging it with three or four units, which that just seems stupid to yeah, do. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And so you, if you, you can't, up, yeah, right? if you can't kill enough units in a turn, they will just overwhelm you. You just can't win. 
Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I'm sure that there's some rules that we have no well, and, idea. And, and not wow. to mention, you know, you got to, this is an objective holding game. Yeah. That is the key to Age of Sigmar is to hold objectives, yep. you know, which, which makes it very different than 40K. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and so if you only have five or six models on the board to hold objectives <coughs> and you're losing one or two of those mm-hmm. models a turn, you're going to lose a lot of games real fast. I mean, look, look at some of the, the missions right now, like, like Star Strike. Uh, I mean, you have you have models jumping, or I'm sorry, objectives that go all over the board. How are they going? Yeah, yeah, how are they going to move adapt, fast yeah, and get that? Yeah. I could see mobility being a big issue. With you that know, hard. and again, you, you got you got six objectives in most games. Some games have eight objectives, and you only have five models on the table. Right? How can you possibly contest and win those games? Not happening. When I don't even have to go in combat with you, I simply have to take five objectives to your three, and I'm going to win that game without yeah. killing a model. Yeah, and actually, your goal could very easily be to not get into combat yep. with you. Exactly. Yeah, Just yeah, try yeah. to play a big game and keep away. Yep. Well, and you guys hit the nail on the head, but l- let's say they fixed the, the objective thing. One giant's worth 15 miles or whatever. It tears to wounds. There's a number of ways for them to do it. Let's say they fix that and that these things are tanky as hell and destructive as hell. Great. You're still going to have a mobility problem. There's yeah. no way you can make a giant move 12 inches. Mm-hmm. You're not going to fly. And so if you just bog them down in a tar pit or, or, or whatever, you teleport yourself around, that is already thinking you're going to see yeah. a weak, weakness. It's- it, it will be interesting. Maybe they can hold multiple objectives. You know, yeah, maybe, maybe they can kick a couple objectives. You know, and have a, and a sure. or, their, or their objective scoring range is more than six inches. Yeah, maybe that's I don't know. A, now, that's a new, something that I think would be very fluffy to go along with the giants and stuffing somebody in a bag. And this is pure speculation, but I think it'd be amazing. What if they could put an objective in a bag and carry it with them? Ah, so they're always well, that would be cool. That'd be kind of fun. That would be but, cool. And then you got to chase the giant around, and it's yeah, going to yeah. your mobility problem. Right? Then yeah. you don't have a choice. Ah, that is very interesting. But and then they have to come we'll to you see. for the fight. Ah, no, that's a, that's actually right. a really we'll interesting see. idea, man. I like that. I do like that. It could uh, happen. Another rumor I would just like to talk about real quick is GHB uh, came out a lot of points, a lot of armies got left out, uh, and I did hear that some OBR points will be dropping. How's everyone feel about that? Well, are you serious? I'm dead serious. That could stalkers, sense, stalkers are going down. I mean, okay, so who's playing with stalkers? Uh, I killed eight secretors in one turn. Okay, some that sounds a little good. Yep, they're bananas. Okay. So the every, every core of OBR has about six hundred points to play with. You can either fill those with catapults or stalkers, and I think the this is the concept of that little cheat sheet that came out, which who knows if it's accurate or not, having stalkers going down on an OBR army is ludicrous. Okay, they are so. It's on. See, I, I had zero problem killing your stalkers the last yeah, time we played. Did you? You haven't fought my stalkers. I think you had like five. Uh, you had five. No. I think of something else. Mm-hmm. But let me put it to you this way. And granted, I'm playing 1997 Stormcast, but I I tried something new, a big gav bomb. What's well, not new? It's just old. But I gav bombed him with 15 evocators. 15. Mm-hmm. Right. Hit him with all the mortal wounds. 15 evocators. Got the charge off. First turn. Boom. Killed one and a half stalkers. One and a half stalkers. One and a half. And yep. then you heal that other stalker up yep. to full and just next turn smoked. Yeah. All of them. Granted, it's evocators. I get it. I understand that. But the point is, they are super resilient because they're OBR mm-hmm. and they are killy as hell. Okay. Now, they're slow. They are slower. And they move nine inches plus a run. Oh, they only oh, they move nine? Yeah, oh, it's just because I took the fight to you. That's yeah, why. they yeah. move six, and then you got the plus three move for nine. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah, so I take it back. If you I, want to charge, I retract, it's nine that, and I retract charge. that comment. They have it all. Otherwise, nine plus two. The army's broken. Yeah. No, I'm, very, I'm very much looking forward to seeing the list of uh, what the, the five or six armies that didn't get points uh, in GHB and to see what they do with everything, all the, the newer codexes, if you will. Or, I'm sorry, uh, 
army books. Your points go down. You know, especially you with are banned. with no tournaments going on. I don't know how well adjusted these points are going to be. Yeah, that's that's a big question, isn't it? Yep. You know, it's really hard to gauge where your game is at the moment when no one is actually able to play the game. Correct. At least in a public forum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, let me guess that's or, fair. Or a, a large enough format where you can actually take data from it. You play in a 4-8, 12-man tournament, the data that comes from that is not very good, you know, versus a 60-plus person tournament. But you would think that, at least in my opinion, some of the stuff that they put on books, you can see it before. Oh yeah, you absolutely, even, yeah. Before you even play yeah. a game, I'm I played the game for two years and I, I look at it and I go, that's ridiculous. Oh, army wide plus one save. Oh, that, it's, that that's fine. You get staunch defender army wide. No yep. no restriction on. Yep, that's fine. On ra- to- like, totally fine. Like what? Yeah. For free. For free. Yeah, totally fine. And, and, not, and not even Petrifex, dude. Not even Petrifex. Your Mortec card are just so ridiculous. And I agree with you. At some point, you know, you can price the army out of existence. I, I get that because everything's two hundred points outside of them. I understand what you're saying. There is no they're wiggle just, room in the they're list. They're just so points efficient, yeah. and they're battle line, and they're fast, yeah. and I, they're killing, and you can't kill them. Also, it's just, just want to remind everyone that when OBR first came out, people said, "Oh my God, more tech guard are so expensive for a battle line. They'll never be worth their." Points. You said that. No, I didn't. I said from the start, one hundred thirty points for that. Sign me up, yeah. and they're amazing. They are very good. Very good for the price. Yep. One of the better battle line units in the game. The but I'm hoping COVID gets unit. done with soon, or at least Games Workshop is back to normal, so we can actually have more things to talk about. We all know that, well, I mean, the elves, the elves still have, they haven't released their stuff yet. You know, and so who knows when Giants are going to come out, and just everything's so far behind, nobody knows what's coming out next. You know, and that's, for me, that's been a huge frustration as someone who wants to play the Luminous. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I got that cool box set. And it's got two units and a character yeah. in it. Where do you go from here? Where do I go? Right. Yeah, I mean, it's not like I can put any, you know an army on the field anytime soon. Right. You know, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess... Well, the Scissors of Battle worked the same way when they came out, so... They were, True. and I wasn't thrilled about that either, but luckily we weren't playing a lot of 40K at the time, so it wasn't <laughs> as big an issue, but... Well, hey, know. we're about to play a lot more 40K now that Knife is dropping, that's so yours aren't a big issue. That, that's, I guess, I guess that's true. Well, hey, guys. Um, oh, you know what? I do have uh, one rumor to bring up that's maybe not exactly Games Workshop related. But uh, as some of you out there may know, I'm one of the organizers of the Michigan GT. And we have a meeting coming up with the uh, general manager of the hotel that we hold the GT at next week. And there's a rumor that the GT might be happening this year. Mm, so uh, Nice, nice. Nice. Stay tuned, and uh, hopefully we'll have some good news coming to you guys because we'd like to see as many of you out to uh, the first major tournament of the second half of 2020 since there hasn't been any tournaments in 2020, pretty much. So keep your fingers crossed. Hope the negotiations go well and that we can make something work. And uh, that's it. So that was Echoes from the Warp, and we'll be back in a minute. Hey guys, welcome back. Our uh, our next topic is going to be what we call critical miss. Think to Washington Sports Center early in the morning before school. One of the best things that I loved was the not top ten, and uh, that's what this segment's going to be about. We want to talk about our uh, our mistakes or our little goof ups uh, in order to help you as a player, and maybe you can learn a little bit from our mistakes. So this week, does anybody have any good? 
critical misplays that they want to talk about. Uh, me in the back. Oh, okay. Hey, Josh, uh, let's uh, let's hear from you. What did uh, you mess up or just miss? Caveat for the listeners: It's probably a pretty high likelihood that any episode that I'm a part of, I will be the critical miss of the week. I think uh, it's very, very likely. Very likely. Very likely. So, uh, anywho, uh, just started the Slaves to Darkness army. Played my first game against uh, Stormcast. The game went seven hours long. How many points was this? Two thousand. How many players? Two. Okay. Two players in a peanut gallery of Jeff. Excellent. Yeah, a lot of heat, a lot of humidity up there, new book. A lot of yawns, too. A lot of yawns. So, anywho, uh, I I was playing a despoilers list, so I'm trying that out, and uh, despoilers are really good with demons, so I played the great Bellacor, who on paper is an amazing model for 240 points and really gets to mess with your enemy. He has a Dark Master ability, and for those of you who are not aware, I'll just read it real quick off his War Scroll. Uh, after setup is complete, but before the first battle round begins, secretly pick one enemy unit on the battlefield once per battle, and this is the important part to note. At the start of the enemy hero phase, you can reveal which unit you picked. <coughs> Until your next hero phase... Your opponent must roll a dice each time that unit attempts to cast a spell, move, charge, attack with any weapons it is armed with. On a 1 to 4, it cannot do so. On a 5 plus, it does so. So basically, one time a game, you, the unit you picked, once you activate it, you get to basically shut that unit down. That sounds awesome. What, yeah, what the just a fantastic That's ability. That's a really good ability. Yeah, pretty much the reason why you take Bellacor. Uh, so my opponent set up his uh, evocators on Dracolines. The mission we were playing, he was within first turn charge zone, and I knew it. And I put my Bellacor to be charged by that unit and secretly select that unit for the Dark Master ability. Again, this all sounds great. Oh, just just masterminding this guy, falling into my trap. He had no idea. He was going down hard, right? It's only four ups to roll. Well, turns out... I thought you activated Dark Master ability at any time of your choosing and not at the beginning of your enemy's hero phase. So he charged, picked his attackers, at which point I declared my Dark Master ability, pulled out the War School and read it and realized that we'd already missed our opportunity. So the unit that I selected for Bellacor's ability... Wasn't affected by it and killed Bellacor in one <laughs> round of combat. And there was 240 points down the drain. Now, I would like to point out, how long ago did you start thinking about playing Slaves of Darkness? Oh, man. Six months ago? Six, easily six months yep. ago. And, and shortly after that? Well, well, actually start thinking about it yeah. well before the book okay, came yeah, out. Okay, yeah. yeah even longer it. before that. Yeah. And then yeah. we, knew, we knew, everyone knew that the book was going to be coming out. Yeah, I kept talking Josh about it. Josh was super interested. Super pumped. So the book finally drops, new yeah. War Scrolls come out. The first thing, and I mean the first thing Josh started talking about, is, oh my god, Bellacor. Bellacor is amazing. amazing. He, he's an absolutely amazing character. Yep. For 240 points, he does so much. Yep. Oh my god, look at this ability. Super utility piece. So he, he sees this ability, he yep. wants Bellacor, he know, knows Bellacor is going to be in his army. Yep. It has taken Josh months, months to get and assemble and finally play a game with this army. Unpainted. Just Unpainted. assemble them. Yep. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. very first time, after months of preparation, mm-hmm. months of arguing that Bellacor mm-hmm. is worth it for this one rule alone, mm-hmm. Josh forgets that rule. Just whipped it hard. And, and that, my friends, is the definition of a critical miss. All right, folks, welcome back. Uh, the next segment we're going to title Sit Down with the Sensei. And basically, after... 
listening to us babble on for three hours, we actually finally get to the meat and potatoes of the episode. And the episode this week is the General's Handbook, uh, what excites us about it, uh, some key questions and things of that nature. So I'll start us off here. Uh, for me personally, being a Stormcast player, the thing that excites me about the General's Handbook is that they are getting a across-the-board points reduction. Uh, most units, I think, you know, in that book need some help and points, uh, and they're getting them at least to some degree. So uh, for Stormcast players, it's nothing but good news and direly needed because our Tournament win rate percentage before COVID hit was like 38%. Uh, but for uh, the folks that are getting into the GHB, there's two uh, options of buying. I decided to buy the more expensive Warlord Edition, uh, particularly because it comes with all the things that the original edition comes with, but it also comes with the battle plan cards, which for me personally, I don't know how you guys feel, but I really like, you know, when we when we pick the battle plan, I don't, I don't want to have another book open. So I just like the fact that it's just a flat card I can stick in my actual codex. We know the battle plan, and it's just something I can just really quickly reference back to just to make sure that we're on, I'm on track for whatever it is that the mission calls for, and, and I really think it's worth it. And then a new thing in the uh, new GHB is they uh, added these secondary objectives, kind of similar to 40K, uh, and, and again, they give you cards for that, some data cards for the secondary objectives that you may select. So... For me personally, I just think it kind of streamlines the game, keeps one less book or two less books off the table. It allows you just kind of some quick reference. And for me, what what's the points difference? You know, or, or dollar amount difference between the World Edition? It's like thirty five bucks or something. Yeah, it's like forty bucks. For me personally, if you're going to spend this kind of money on this hobby, what's another thirty forty bucks to make your your game go smoother? I agree. And just kind of how I take it. So, yeah, I, I love those big mission cards uh, for the same exact reason that you're saying. So you know, having to have either a printout, you know, of, of the copy of, of a PDF version or having your book open to that page. It's just kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. So I think having that card, you know, just handy sitting on the edge of the table, you or your opponent can look at it real quick. Yeah, it's just a, it's a huge act, a uh, huge thing of convenience for me. You know, not to mention, you know, I own the dojo, so I have people over here playing weekly. And it's just nice to have that as a an asset that anyone can borrow and, and you know, just pull the mission out of there, and then you're up and running real quick instead of having to dig through a book and, and you know roll the dice to figure out which mission you're playing or whatever. You know, I just pick out the big deck of cards, spread my hand, and my opponent just grabs a card, and that's what we're playing for the night. I, I love how convenient it is. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, so many people complain about the cost of Games Workshop, and I'm not going to you know, negate that. This is a very expensive hobby, obviously, but in this, at least in this instance, the very small monetary cost increases. I think absolutely worth what you're getting in, the, in this instance. So I agree. Yeah, uh, you kind of glazed over real fast uh, the point changes that you're looking forward to with uh, Stormcast Eternals. You know, I, I really was really impressed that so many of their units got point reductions. I think there, there's an entirely new list that you can run now, isn't there, Josh? So, like I said, the every unit in Stormcast is either staying the same or, or going down, and it is much needed. I mean, eventually, the answer to Stormcast is a new book. Right, and I'm going to get a lot of hate for saying this because we get new books all the time, but let's just accept the fact that Stormcast are the golden children of Age of Sigmar. Oh, oh, for sure, and I don't disagree that they need a new book. They definitely need a new book, but what they right. need to do in the new book it, yes. is readdress the existing units. 100%. Instead of just yeah. making up a bunch of new Please. units for you to buy. Please, Games you, Workshop, for the love yeah, of God. go back and fix what's broken. Yes, we have like 58 models. It's the largest range in the game. You have everything you need minus a horde and... Some will say you need the horde. Some will say it goes against the exact whole feeling, flavor of the army. 
But outside of that, we have every answer, everything. Please, please, please don't open up another chamber and give me more models to have to paint. Just make the existing models, which are all new, all look great, make them playable, particularly the Phase 1 models. Yeah, you know, the prosecutors, the, the yeah, retributors, absolutely. The, all that kind of prosecutors stuff. Prosecutors are garbage. Yes, 100%. Justicator, adjudicators, garbage. 100%. Even liberators at their, at their point reduction, I mean, let's just face it, they're just not worth it. They're just filler for battle lines. Sure. I mean, the issue with that is how low can you go with a battle line unit? Well, you know, that's the problem. 100%. So the problem isn't, I mean, yeah, the problem is, is they're not worth their points. Right. But instead of dropping their points through the floor where you can get a, you know, a bunch of super cheap battle line units, instead up the unit to make them worth the points. Well, and I couldn't agree with you more. And like I said, obviously the General's Handbook can't do that. Only a new book will do so. But, yeah, in the future, I'd love to see a new book where they fulfill their fluff. I mean, these guys are the warrior crusaders of Sigmar. They're the... You know, last bastion of hope. One one Stormcast Eternal is, is worth ten or twenty enemy models that are there to drive back the darkness, and they just don't play that way. Uh, they're pretty pillow fisted. They have no mortal wound protection. They're just it's an older book, and so you just feel that on the table. So they're the golden children. They're they're the they're the you know the, the they are literally what the model is out in front of Games Workshop's headquarters. So a new book needs to address them to play that way. But in the meantime, all we can do is points, and they can only go down. Right. So I at least appreciate that. You know, what I mean, he, he shouldn't be complaining. We, we got the best we could get. So uh, you should not be because why don't you get to the new hotness that you have? So the well, greatest. Thing, oh, go ahead, Jeff. I, was, I just had a quick question. This, yeah. part, this might be tying into what you're what you're yeah. doing there anyway. But so out of all the points changes in the Stormcast, because that's that's what you know the best. What was the big winner out of the point changes? Out of all the points changes, what was the big winner? Out of the Stormcast. I yeah. think, like I said, I think they're all big winners because everything either stayed the same or went down. So the good thing about Stormcast is you have so many ways to play the army. Not everyone is competitive. I'm not going to sit here and say that. But once again, we covered I'm a casual player, so play what you like. So no matter what it is that you're playing, either your points stayed the same or you got some leeway. And what I can tell you with my long strike list, them, you know, they brought Aether Wings down 10 points. It wasn't needed. I, 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 they were not needed. Those those Aether. birds are worth 50 points all day long. All day long. They I are agree. One of the best screen units in the game when they interact with with uh, you know the, the crossbow guys, the long strikes, absolutely now. But they put them down. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna look a gift horse in the mouth. Complain, right? 100. So so what this did allow for maybe some folks that that don't know because these points changes went down, it actually allows you to take. Uh, a, a whole bunch of new battalions here, particularly the uh, Vanguard Auxiliary Chamber, which is basically a huge battalion that comprises several smaller battalions. Uh, so it was never able to be taken in a 2,000-point game prior to the points changes. And, and in all honesty, really those grand battalions, they've almost never been able to be taken in a 2,000-point uh, game. I've always looked at them as like a fluff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or they're like 2,500 like points minimum. Kind of like Sigmar Apocalypse or whatever. Yep. You know? So that, that's pretty rare that you can get a grand battalion comprised of other battalions in a 2,000-point yeah, game. Yeah, I've never even contemplated. The last people that could do it, I think, was Zinch. <laughs> so with these point changes and the reductions in, in Stormcast, there opens up an entire new grand battalion uh, army list, and I will read off at least a segment of that list. Uh, so you got that Vanguard Auxiliary Chamber, uh, and I'll get into the specifics of each and what they do, but that consists of a Lord Aquilar, you could do a Knight of Zeros, a couple of Knight Venators. Uh, that 
auxiliary chamber has to comprise both a Vanguard Angelus Conclave and a Vanguard Justicar Conclave, uh, comprising of you know Vanguard Hunters to fill out your battle lines, some Paladors for some movement, and then the Long Strikes, which has really been you know Stormcast. Yeah, they've been a linchpin for you. hundred percent, hundred percent. That, like I said, that we covered earlier. That and the Storm or Star Drake, really kind of the only competitive builds lately uh, with the way things are going, and a bunch of Aether Wings to protect them. But the, the big thing here is, or a couple of big things, so first and foremost, that list I just nailed off, rattles off at 1990 points. It's three battalions. So you're getting three command points. Nice. Three artifacts. Nice. And because the grand battalion comprises the smaller battalions, it's one drop. I think oh, you're missing out on fancy. the most important thing, that you may get a triumph, which, as we all well know, oh, triumphs are game breakers. Game breakers, uh-huh. indeed. And... and out of all the times that you've gotten a Triumph, Ryan, how many times have you remembered to use the Triumph? <laughs> Two. Twice, okay. Twice. Twice in like five years. Yeah, okay, great. So the nice thing about this this, this new list with this, this Grand Battalion is the Vanguard Hunters gives you kind of some coming off the board shenanigans. They fulfill your battle line, so you've got some movement there for objective taking. The Paladors are, I always think, pretty underrated unit. They're super fast. Yeah, they're okay. I mean... Like I said, I'm not necessarily saying they're great for their points, but at least they have a lot of mobility, which is something that most they're, of the they're very mobile. Stormcast units have been lacking, minus, you know, coming down from Azir and, and, and things of that nature. Uh, but the big thing about the Auxiliary Chamber, because the other two battalions, are they're not great. They give you some, some you know, buffs to the units in that battalion. But the big thing here for the Auxiliary Chamber, the Grand Battalion, is it adds one to attack characteristics of missile weapons Used by models from this battalion. That seems Whoa. good. Literally is doubling the so effectiveness. So makes your long two shots. Doubles their effectiveness. Now, can you take him with that one chamber that lets you shoot in the hero phase as well? Absolutely. The Stormost? Absolutely. So you could be getting four shots out of your long strikes every turn? So potentially, you know, yes. You could be, as that long as things good. are within range and you can set up everything, absolutely. You could be firing off, you know, three units of long strikes, you know, Four shots. Did you come up with this idea on your own? No, no, of oh. course not. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm not the master genius here. Okay. I, yeah, it's I, a freaking awesome idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. So, and look, I'm not going to say it's the end-all, be-all. It's, it's definitely got some stoppers. You get anything that, that blocks shooting, like Sylvan if Wildwoods, or just trees in general. And You know, it, it could kind of be an, an all-or-nothing list, but it at least points to the fact that it could be a lot of fun. Well, I think four shots out of those long strikes oh, every freaking turn incredible. very, very, very good. 100%. Very good. You're getting neg 2, 2 damage on yeah. sixes. They proc on mortal wounds. And, and those things are four times. really tough at two shots per turn. 100%. Now, if you double that out, then it's something worth looking at. Now, granted, it's a one drop, so, you know, it's all. this is going to... Well, so you're going to go first almost every are, game. You are, but that can also be a detriment because you don't know where your opponent's miles are going to be. Because the big thing well, with... You well, again, though, and you can also you have the you choice. Can deploy one unit, 100%. one unit, one unit, boom, I drop my battalion. So you can always be one you're less right. than your opponent. You're right. But I, where I think the strength and long strikes are are taking away all your opponent's utility pieces, all their support characters, mm-hmm. all their whatever it is that makes their army work. You're not going to shoot their battle line with, with long strikes. You're going to yeah. take out their generals, their heroes, their mages, whatever it is. Absolutely. That, so a good... What if you're going against 60 more tech guard? Well, then you're just screwed. <clears throat> you're not going to shoot my battle line. I will not shoot your battle line. Good choice. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, you know... It, there's going to be some finesse here. There's going to be some positioning because for the folks that don't know, they FAQ'd the long strikes ability with Anvils of ha- Heldenhammer. So Anvils of Heldenhammer is a storm monster that lets you shoot in the hero phase. However, you used to be able to shoot 30 inches both in the hero phase Which and the shooting phase. Which was always bullshit. Phase. It was not bullshit, but 
took you didn't away, move. You took you away the only, phase. the only, you know, positive, you know, competitive build we had. It's proper FAQ. So now in the hero phase, you're shooting 24 inches. In the shooting phase, you're shooting 30. Granted, you can still move. You know, you can move your five inches. But the point is, there will be some finesse to this. There will definitely be. It will definitely rely on positioning. But you potentially have a really, really, really strong alpha strike. Turn one, shooting, take out all the utility pieces, just blow your nut right out, right out turn one, and cripple your opponents. Well, I think even I mean you're worried about the the distance. You're choosing. You are gonna go first. I'd say nine point five out of ten times. Right. Let them go first. Let them move Come into to you. you. Sure. Yeah. And now on that first turn, then you can absolutely blow your nut, and you don't have to go first. You're just going to be able to shoot them before they can mess with you. Absolute viable build, you know, viable uh, strategy there. And like I said, it just for the first time ever, this thing is now possible in a 2,000 point game. And I think, have you played it yet? No, I haven't played it. I, I there's a couple of units I'm missing. I got most of everything. I, I need to pick up a unit of Paladors and, and the Vanguard Hunters because I just never went that route. Okay. But I think it at least has, at a minimum, it's going to be fun. So, and if you're playing long strikes, you got most of that stuff anyways. Not to burst your bubble, but how many models away from being painted? Mm. With this list. All right, hang on. Let me take a what peek. Yeah, what, three units of um, hunters. Everybody stand by. I wasn't prepared for that question. This is the kind of amateur hour you're getting on this show. <laughs> uh, I got a painted Aquilar, two Venators, three, so 15 hunters, and, so and Paladors. About 20 miles. Yeah. That's not bad. No, not no it's not bad because, like I said, the Aquilar or the Venators are all one model heroes. So, yeah, it, it's not bad at entirely all. doable. So, like I said, I'm not going to say it's the greatest thing ever. I think it needs to be play-tested. Oh, I, I think it sounds intriguing. But I think it'd be a lot of fun. I think it's something really new for the game that you're not going to see some... How, how many, you know... How much are you seeing Grand Battalion Alpha Strike shooting Stormcast lists? Right. You never saw it before. Yeah. And now it's possible. So, something that the meta may, may have to adjust to, or, or just something for Stormcast players to, to tinker around with while we uh, wait for a new book. So Cool. Excellent. I thought the for me, I thought the big winner out of all that point changes was the Celestine Prime. Oh man, Jeff, I'm glad you brought that up. Forty point drop on that oh. guy. I always thought he was a great model aesthetically, and always in his character assassin and great. I just thought he was always overcosted because he's eight wounds. See, I, I thought he, he was completely quick. fine at three forty. You and, and me, I'd be thrilled to take him at three hundred. You and me have always argued about this, and, and and we always had our opinions on it. I, I I love him. I played him. I think he's great. I always thought he was over. Awesome, but at 300 points, I think he's a, almost an auto take. I, I, think, I think he was worth it at 340 as well. Yeah, I was rolling him at 380 and didn't have a lot of complaints. <laughs> sure, fair you enough. Know, and when he went down to 340 last year, I was like, "Whoa, that's a great savings for that guy. That's awesome." And then now 300, I'm I'm seriously considering picking one up to ally into my well, and that's my the, order. And items. that's the great thing. He goes in all the because he's Stormcast. Oh. Any order can pick him up. He is such a utility player. But you got to use him right. As I've learned, oh, you can't, he, he's a character, a hunter, he's a backline yep. thread, and that's, that's his thing, right? He's he, not a tank. No, he's not. Because he can do great damage, but he can't take He's an damage. assassin. 100%. You keep him in the sky for a turn, he comes in with five attacks, plus he's got that shooting attack. Absolutely. So for 300 points now, I bought one, I'm going to build him. He's, oh. go, he's going in the list. Yeah. You I, can't not. For, for 300, you can't not. I'm super interested in adding him to some lists and seeing, well, seeing what I can do with it. 40 points is a huge drop for Anything in this game. Oh, huge drop. Huge drop. And, and and when you're looking at percentage drop, I mean, that's that's massive. If that star grade can't have 40 points, that'd be intriguing, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So those are kind of my takes on GHB. I, 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 from a Stormcast player, I think they did nothing but positive things. Uh, so I'm excited. Uh, Ryan, I see you were just super anxious. 
to get your hot takes on the mic, so I'm going to pass it over to you, my friend. All right, I am very anxious. Uh, this is General's Handbook. I wasn't too sure what to expect. We've been hearing for a long time that due to the lack of competitive play because uh, of the, the COVID pandemic um, that we're not sure if there's going to be big point changes in this list. And other than Josh talking about Stormcast Eternals, I think that's that's pretty right. There wasn't a lot of change with uh, General's Handbook. Um, I think overall I'm actually disappointed by it. Uh, I do like some of the things that they did, though. Uh, I, I really like the new realm system that they have where, hey, you roll off, you get to pick the realm, and I don't think the, the realms are nearly as imbalanced as what they were before. Uh, before, with certain armies, you go to the realm of fire, you won the game. Uh, if you can get a couple of those spells off, it just it made Grim uh, Grimgas absolutely disgusting if you fought in the realm of fire. Yeah, I, I do. With the spells. I agree with you about the realms a lot. I mean, there were cer- certain realms that if you got into that realm, it was just like, this army has a massive advantage yep. because we're it's the a, fire. Yeah, this, this army is going to absolutely win, that army is going to absolutely lose. Or half the realms, to be fair, were basically pointless. Yeah. Like Shimon. Yep. Shimon I thought was pretty dumb. Now Shimon is pretty good. The spells in Shimon, or the, the one spell in Shimon is, is great. So that, is good too. Yeah, exactly. So I, I like what they did with the realms. Yeah, you know, and, and I think a lot of events and stuff didn't really focus on the realms too much because you know they didn't want to have certain armies have a huge advantage here, or you know, or have a realm that had no effect. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I, I think this change really, really will could bring the realms back into play yep. as as a real viable you know way to play Age of Sigmar. Absolutely, and it kind of goes with your list building too. I mean, you're going to have fifty percent chance to choose the realm that you want to be in. That's true. So it's almost as you're building the list, you know, you, you're going to say, hey, I really want these one or two realms, or if depending on who I'm going against, I'm not going to want to play in these one or two realms. So why are you going to have a 50-50 chance? Because it's a roll-off. Okay, when, why, when, why don't you explain that a little bit? In okay, case yep, hasn't uh, at the, I'm sorry. The Absolutely. So the new General's Handbook, uh, as part of your pregame uh, deployment, if you will, there's going to be a roll-off. Uh, the winner of that roll gets to decide where the realm is. Uh, an interesting take on that is another thing they did with the change to the realms is Malign Portents as a book is 75% gone other than the Endless Spells now. So you no longer can take realm artifacts. Uh, so no more Thermal Rider Cloak. Uh, no more Doppelganger. Sword of Judgment's gone. Sword of Judgment's gone. Yeah, that's a big change. Yep. Big and change. so what you can do is depending on who wins that role and they pick the realm, you can take... Uh, the realm artifact that's listed in the general's handbook for that realm. It's only one, and you'd have to have an open artifact slot. So I think it's going to be very interesting how that's going to work for tournament play, uh, where you have to have you know pre-submitted lists. Uh, obviously, you're not nine times out of ten you're not going to leave an open artifact. Yeah, it's kind of weird for the chance yeah. to yeah. maybe get this one realm where but you could get this if one. If you're artifact. going competitive, you want consistency. Yeah, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Why I would think you if someone really want to do it? You would just put realm artifact. Yeah, yeah, right. Yes. Right. Which, which, which again, that's a good thing because I think there's so many great artifacts and fluffy artifacts in all the the army books that people kind of skip <laughs> over because there's some really really good ones. Uh, from the realms. A lot so, of the artifacts in the book did what the realm artifacts absolutely. did. Absolutely. But not as good. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. A, yeah there was definitely a lot a of like minus one to hit, but why would you not take the Griff Feather charm and get extra movement? Exactly. You're, you're right. And there's a couple weapons too that were plus one to wound and plus one um, uh, damage versus army books would have one or the other. So I, I like what they did with the realms. I like that they're kind of toning down the malign portents. To be fair, that book's like three years old now. Um, some of those things like the Thermal Rider Cloak really affected 
units um, in, a, in a negative way with some of this new stuff. Uh, you know, you could have this massive monster uh, in a new book that's super good, but, you know, he's kind of limited because he can't fly. Oh, that's fine. I'll take a, uh, an artifact from a three-year-old book that this, this monster wasn't around at the time right, of this yeah, artifact. Right, right. Sure, yeah, and, and like you said, you know, just the ability to give something flight. Yeah, it's amazing. It can be ridiculously yeah. powerful. Uh, Keeper of Secrets, my friend. Yeah, Boom. yeah, right. Well, yeah, and so, like, you have, say, for example, the Slanesh army. You mm-hmm. have a whole army there, and then nothing can fly. Yep. So that is a limiting factor yeah. of that army. For a reason, but though. It was for, part yeah, of the design. Absolutely, yeah, for a reason. Yeah, yeah, right. and, you know, and then and, you take and the and most powerful yep, right. model in the Jumping over screens. And, and, right. Yeah, and now he gets to go wherever the hell he wants. I mean, that's... 100%. I, yeah. Talking yeah. about not intended, you know, as they wrote the rules. Like going forward, I wonder if it's going to lift some constraints that they have as far as limitations on certain builds of monsters and stuff that they couldn't do before because these artifacts existed. That's a good point. So I'm wondering if maybe we might see an upswing on like monsters and other things that are in the books coming out going forward if they uh, might be better because they aren't don't have these constraints anymore. Yeah, that's true. Well, it forces you. It forces everybody into their own book, which makes your army feel so much more unique. Whereas yes. you know, you could literally have a battle where you each opponent could have the same artifact. And in terms of fluff, in terms of play style, I mean, yeah, it doesn't really fit. Yeah, so it forces yeah. you into your book. So you pick your book for what's in that book, and you got to take the artifacts out of that book. I, I so. do want to apologize for anyone that made flying steam tanks. Uh, your model <laughs> is amazing. Your work is appreciated. Uh, uh, and just come up with another story behind it. But I'm sorry, you can no longer fly. Yeah, Vince Vent. Torella, Warhammer Weekly. God bless you, man. Well done, but uh, the time has come for that to come to an end. Retire. Yes. You know, yes. another thing I wanted to bring up, too, you guys got me thinking, is that, you know, when Malign Portents released, there were still a lot of armies without their own book. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, right. So this was a way, you know, for those armies that have not you know, had not seen a, a book yet in Age of Sigmar, it gave them a chance to have some, some competitive magic items. Yep. You know, but now that we've reached the point where pretty much everything, every model line they have that they're going to have a book for does have a book. Yeah. That there, there just isn't the, re, the the need for that generic category anymore. And now everyone can start, you know, using what was released for your army. Yeah. Well, and, can, and, and going oh, going going along with the change to the line port and stuff in the GHB, uh, another change that I'm a very big fan of that I know for certain people at this table do not, I'm sorry, a person at this table does not agree with me, is the limit to endless spells. You can now only take three endless spells in an army, uh, which I personally think is fantastic. I've gone against some absolute shenanigan goblin armies that have taken like five, uh, and that's just it's it's not fair. You know, you have some armies out there that don't have a single caster, and it, you can pay for what works best with your army, which is almost like reaching outside your army book. Which again, they just got rid of that with the with the the artifacts. So I think yeah. it goes right in line with what they're trying to do of forcing you in your army book. Hey, almost everybody has their own endless spells now. Use those. Don't just use five or six of these generic ones. And, and you know, I actually got thinking, aren't we talking about forbidden power? Nope. That's the three. That's the bridge. Oh, that, uh, the yeah. bridge, the boatman, yeah. Yeah. and okay. uh, launch in. And yeah. Maybe we got them reversed. Nope. Nope. Okay. No, right. no. The lion sorceries were all you know, geminids. And the good gotcha. stuff. Yeah. Okay. The real good Let's stuff. See, okay hey, Jeremy, how do you feel about this? So I'd be okay with the limitations if you could take your own. And then you could take three generic ones. So I'd be okay with that. That's fair. But see, you're paying the points for them, so I don't see why you need to be limited. 
the problem though with with endless spells that any army can take, it's so hard to point them correctly because some armies yes. point for an endless spell yeah. is going to be fine, and other armies is not going to be enough. You, you know what I mean? So that's that's the only problem is when you same with the realm artifacts when you give it to everyone, it's so hard to be able to control the unforeseen interactions in a book or, or you know that yeah, are unique well, to that book. Well, no, no. For for instance, Stormcast Eternals, you don't have access to minus one to hit. No. So now you have Geminids, which, right. hey, you can make one unit minus one to hit against right, it. That's right. great. But I'm doing it with no plus to cast. Goblins, yes. who have netters, right. they have their own generic spell from the from the hag. Is that correct? Doesn't the hag make minus some, somebody minus one to hit? Yeah, she is. But... Okay, now you throw Geminids in there. Now goblins have access to minus three to hit because of Geminids, and that that's not... That's just being a sneaky git. <laughs> <laughs> But but, you, but but the stormcast I, I player see and where you're from, <laughs> the stormcast player and the gloomsit player play the same points for that spell and yep. get vastly different benefits. Yeah. So, so so I'm I'm very good with the with that change. With the, the three cap. With the three cap. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean the other the other thing you can look at it too is that there are certain armies out there, a handful that can't cast at all. Right. So very true. so if you're rolling up against someone who's got five endless spells. Yeah. They're going to pretty much get five in the spells off because there's not a goddamn thing you can do about yep. it. The magic yeah. phase will be very uninteractive for your opponent. Yeah. They yeah. I mean, gave me a shot against Fire Slayers. Oh. Being okay. able to cast yeah. those spells, I would have that's had no true. chance. Yeah, good point. Yeah, but even with the magic heavy stuff that's coming out now, though, you know, you got Zinch and you got, you got, uh, um, the Realm, yeah, Illumineth. You're going to get to the point where even armies that can take wizards but don't have a plus to cast aren't going to take wizards. It's a good point, yeah. What's yeah, the point? because they're going to lose that arms war. Yeah, so Korn's right. loving it, right? Korn's loving this all day long, but the point is, you know, even people that have access to magic, it's, you're not playing the same playing field, so even though you may want to take a wizard, you're not going to, at least in a competitive setting, because you have no plus to cast, no plus to dispel, and so, you know. Sometimes you just got to roll those dice. Yeah, 100%, man, but it's just, this is a, I think it's a positive change to sort of, to mitigate those effects of what's going on in the meta. Yeah, so that's two things I, I really like about the GHB. There are two things I, I do not like about the GHB. And I'm going to start with the first one because it's kind of a, I'll give it a 0.5 dislike. And that is I'm very frustrated that the app has not been updated <laughs> because of their issue with the 40K app. And supposedly there's an announcement that, hey, all of our developers are working on 40K app, and Zier's not getting in touch until this gets fixed. Hey, they already so, saw they're getting general I know, handbook, baby. It, it's all about I, money. I know, I it's know, but it bothers me. And so this is a half complaint, so we're not going to have a discussion on it. Well, I'll move. It makes it a full complaint that they haven't updated the rest of the army. But okay, that's fair. I'll give that, that does make it a full complaint. We can't have a discussion about it. I just feel that they need to come out with the points for the rest of the armies if yeah. they're selling an incomplete yeah. product at this point. Sir, I mean, at this point, OBR is so far behind the the curve that they need those point drops that yeah. they're going to get, and it's bullshit. Uh, Seraphine, too, for that matter. I mean, they're just... The, the Fangs of Sotek is just garbage without any points dropped to, to Skinks. Yeah, Salamars are way too expensive. Yes, yeah. I'm very glad that we don't have a camera so you can't see me saying this with not a straight face. Uh, but my real complaint... And this has been my complaint for, I think, the last three generals handbook. And this goes for all the tournament organizers out there, including the one sitting to my right. F you. Get rid of the missions. There needs to be something in the general's handbook that says, these are the organized match play missions. And if yeah. you want to include the one from before, so you have 12 missions, I'm fine with that. But the fact that Josh is, is talking about the Warlord version of the general's handbook, and he has this, this stack of cards, right? That's great, and they look really good, and they are great. Except for the fact that you have, like, a possibility of 24 missions. Even then, 
24 missions, that's cool. That's a lot of different games and everything else. Except for it's the same eight missions reprinted with three different versions of them. I'm over it. Uh, tournament organizers, get rid of the stuff from like three years ago. Let's move forward. Let's play with the new missions. And I'll even give you a couple from the years past. That's the end of my rant. Get uh, rid of the missions. I'll make a promise to you that if we do have the Michigan GT this year, okay. I will only pick from the new missions. Okay. Thank you. All right. Number one. Legally binding now. You said, it on, is. You said it on a podcast, no, That's man. fine. Yep. All right. But you have to include relocation or... <laughs> the, the most competitive the mission of all greatest, time. Greatest mission that's in every tournament pack. Uh, Jeremy, GHB, what do you think? Uh, I think it's good. Like The realms are good. The changes are more streamlined. Um, I haven't played with any of them yet, so I can't for sure say whether they hit the nail on the head or not. Um, but they're definitely going in the right direction uh, as far as the less random rules and, and the, the spells. Um like Josh was saying, about disparity. Uh, certain armies can use those spells better than other armies. Uh, certain realms had garbage spells, so it wasn't even worth looking at the sheet. <laughs> uh, so I just think this is a, a better play experience. And I, it, Anything that goes to the list-building stage, I, I appreciate. Uh, it just gives more complexity to playing the game within the game uh, to set your army up so it works better in certain realms than others, and hopefully you win that dice roll or you're playing uh, something um, that'll have your opponent pick the right one for you. Um, as far as points, uh, I haven't looked at a whole lot of them. Uh, super happy about the Nurgle points, like I said before. Uh, yeah, I was a little disappointed with a lot of the points. Yeah, I feel um, like every year that they do the General's Handbook point updates, you get super excited hoping they're going to make these big sweeping they changes. they fall short. Yeah, they sure. Go, Ten, 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 ten points, points here, yeah. ten points there, and it ends up just being a yeah. loss. Ten point yeah. swings don't do a lot. I mean, I was looking like looking at because you talked about the Iron Death Army I have in my closet that I haven't put together yet, and I'm looking at that, and they didn't make any significant changes to that whole army. And it's like, well, it's already meh. Yeah. You know, unless you want to play eels, right. you know, and I kind of want to play more than just eels. I want to have the big giant turtle. On Absolutely. The I want to have the sharks on the table. Absolutely. You know, but if, Eidolon. Then I just, love that they did the points changes twice a year, but then they pretty much just swung the point changes from the winter update into the new general handbook. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what was the point of doing the points update exactly. early if you were yeah. just going to make the changes? I guess other than the fact that they haven't had a lot of games to look at, I guess. But, he, I mean, but here's I'm, the if thing, I'm making though, an excuse for that. Is you're going all the way back to Cities of Sigmar not getting a point update, correct? When was Cities of Sigmar released? Yeah, it came out in November-ish. So that means they probably had book or the points done around the first of the year. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if they're changing it based on outcomes of events, then why are they doing it so early that they're not even changing the, the books for such a long time? You know, I mean, you're now waiting basically a full year before a, a book gets looked at. Yeah. And then, you know? and then how many new books have come out in Correct. that year? And that kind of skews everything. Yeah, so then they, they got to change their cutoff line of and I understand it because of printing and everything else. They really can't. Well, but, but really, it's a pamphlet, you, you, though. Really, that's why they separated exactly. it out. Or so better it yet, be easier to print digital. Do I it just digital. like the FAQs, and yeah. you can you can adjust points every three months. I mean, yeah. who doesn't use a zero to build list anyway? Exactly. Really, I mean, let's be honest. Yep. For it's a dollar. It's a dollar. It's absolutely I mean, worth the money. Honestly, the next time we get a, a new edition, it's probably going to go up to the five dollar rate that. Well, it's and gonna and go. maybe it should if it's going to encompass all of those things. Yeah. Yeah, develop what the 40k app is supposed to do. Yeah, okay. uh, there's I'm some okay development costs there. Yeah. Let's get oh. serious. They're paying people. I mean, hey, not complaining. You're paying. You know, we're, we're, 
paying fifty dollars for one mile. Yeah. But for right now, it's a buck. It's a buck a month. Right. You know, it's if you're not getting twelve dollars use out of that half right. a year, right. I mean, Jesus Christ. Right. You're not playing any games. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, just to the point where I feel like the game is kind of stale. I was kind of hoping for some bigger point swings. Yeah. Uh, Freshen to, things up a little bit. Try to get bit. people to play different different things. Yeah. Just not the, the same old, same old. Yeah, not to mention, you know, even as a business model, if you swing some units pretty seriously, you're going to sell more models. Yeah, people are, people are going to buy. Yeah, they're going to buy stuff that's going to be more effective for their army. Seriously, think of something that has. I mean, that they've sold just a handful of kits over the last two years. You drop that by 40, 50 points. Yeah, gonna sell those kits. They're going to fly off the shelves. Yep. Unless you're just weird like me and you just buy whole factions and let them sit on your yeah, shelf you're, you're until your they're completest, good. Josh. I am. It's a bit of my OCD. Problematic self, among so many other things. But how many how many folks do you think dabble in both games? I think quite a few. More than that? Yeah, I, I, I don't know about more. I, than, I, yeah, I truthfully yeah, I'd think say more than not. Yeah, okay. Sigmar I think really got popular because of forty k is yeah eighth dropped, and it was great. And then they did it turned back great. into seventh, and more people came to Sigmar. I'm very curious now with Sigmar almost feeling a little stale. Right. With ninth dropping, if there's going to be a swing back yep. to 40k. You're totally right. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm curious about the next year of both game systems. Yes. Yeah. I, I just wonder. Too. I just wonder how many folks out there are doing what we're doing. You know, we, we ran Sigmar out in its course in this edition, or, or what some folks feel, and now yeah, we're going to. Tr- I, I kind of think that uh, the majority of players play both. Fair enough. Uh, but I think they they lean heavier to one over the other. And that's just going to be personal taste. Fair enough. Fair enough. Jeff, what do you think about the GHB? Anything we're missing? No, I think we pretty much covered it. I don't have anything extra I really want to add. Um, uh, like Josh, I did. I also got the Warlord Edition because I like the cards. Yeah. Uh, it's worth the extra money for me to have the cards, and they're handy. I get a lot of use out of them. Uh, I'm looking forward to playing some games with the new points. I, I'm really looking forward to the new points for the ones that weren't in the book coming out. You know, I think it's pretty sad that we have had to wait this long you know jeremy mentioned that already so yeah nothing really to add i think we uh, did a good job covering that so we're gonna take a short break and we'll be right back to wrap up the show all right welcome back everybody uh so we're just gonna close up the show here and talk about a few things that the future will hold um in the future we're looking to Look at tournament winning lists and review them. See what was why they took certain items or units, and and why maybe this list was poised to win the tournament. Uh, obviously, this will be something that will be down the line when we actually get back to being able to play in tournaments again. Obviously, um, and uh, we would like to get listener questions in. You guys can follow us on uh, Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. We'll put those in the show notes um, as well as start sharing it out to people. Um, through social media that we already know and get the word out there so you guys can start following us online. Um, and then also we're looking to do a, a bracket challenge. I'm going to ship it over to Jeff. He should be able to explain it a little bit better. Sure. You know, one of the things that I really missed this year with uh, COVID-2019 uh, was the uh, March Madness bracket. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For, for all you sports fans out there, you know, that was that's one of my favorite sporting events of the year. And one of the things I really love about it is especially that first weekend when you have the you know, the underdog, the giant slayer, you know, team out there that takes out the, the, the blue chip team. That's always one of the funniest, one of the funnest things about that event. 
So kind of what I had an idea is to is to have this bracket challenge where we'll pick a category, you know, be you know, heroes or battle line, and uh, what we'll do is we'll pick out some units from you know, each Grand Alliance and we'll put them put them uh, up against each other in, in kind of a March Madness style bracket, and we'll see who can come out on top from each of these categories. I think it sounds like a lot of fun. It should lead to a lot of interesting discussion. You know, maybe a couple of boring discussions when you have something that's that's you know really outmatched. But you know, maybe we'll see that Cinderella out there come up and rise to the top somehow. So another thing that we're looking to do, just to let you know that I know this episode is a little longer than what we're looking to, to do on a, on a per episode basis. But, you know, with the introductions to all of us, you know, that's something that just kind of go a little longer than, than what we anticipated. So going forward, we like to keep these episodes to 60 to 90 minutes, somewhere in there, uh, enough to give you guys some Solid content, but not enough to drone on and on and on where you get bored of listening to our voices. Well, just something to add on too, Jeff, uh, for folks that don't know us, the, the, the dojo here that we do play at it kind of does have a revolving door of players. You know, the four of us are you know part of the core players that play regularly, but there's also, uh, you know, how many other folks you'd say in and out of here? Oh, uh, we have about 10 people yeah. in total that yeah. bounce in and out. Sure. So, you know, because of work and life and people's schedules and all that stuff, and also just to get other opinions, because a lot of the other guys that come up here and play, they play different armies, you're going to have rotating speakers in and out. You're going to have the core group here, particularly the three of you guys, but there will be other other guys that come up here and play with the group that are going to be coming on the show and giving their input, their experience, uh, their armies, play styles, and, and things of that nature. So you really will get a varied uh, experience and exposure level uh, going forward. And another thing that we want to do in, uh, in the future is once Jeremy's done using his camera for his OnlyFans account, um, <laughs> we will be... Not, not giving up the dream yet. <laughs> we, uh, we, we will be uh, looking forward to doing um, some video bat reports, both for Age of Sigmar and 40K, uh, as well as we would eventually like to uh, make our podcast into uh, a video as well. So we do have some video stuff coming up. Uh, it's just, you know, we got to figure out some ideas and some equipment issues. And uh, we're looking forward to sharing this content with everybody, and hopefully you guys like it. And, uh, again, once we get our social media up and running, uh, we will be taking, like, listener questions um, and things of that sort. So we're looking forward to it, and we can't wait to talk to you guys some more. Yep. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to talking to you in a week. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye.